after a few workouts, I called Dennis Green and told him that he is the most unbelievable athlete that I have ever seen. Got an ISO route. Just watch. Oh, see you later. Turns Montroy completely around. Just watch him. I mean, what do you, how do you how do you explain that? <laughs> Athletic ability here. There are going to be nightmares for quarterbacks in the NFL. Well, when, they, when they go up against Randy Moss. Well, the other guy would be Randy Moss. Second down and 10, and Cunningham launches one, and there is Randy Moss. There's a flag down for the moment. It's a touchdown. Randy Moss is the best young receiver that I have seen maybe ever. Get his guy in open field. Watch this, so watch here's here's what watch this Geary hits here. Now it's over. Goodbye. They said no one knows how fast he was. And then Randy Moss. I mean, most people, if you didn't see the Thanksgiving game three years ago, that's what a 415 looks like. Cowboys showing blitz. Minnesota. Randy Moss breaks the tackle and Randy Moss races down the sideline and Randy Moss just outruns everybody into the end zone. He is incredible. For Randy Moss. Here comes the rush from the outside. They go to the fade route in the corner. And the catch from Moss. The flag is down, but he held on one-handed. Here he is up here. You're going to see Randy Moss is running a post pattern. He gives him a little outside move, holds him out there. Randall Cunningham throws a perfect. They call me the freak, man. Because I'm a freak of nature. And the quick to Randy Moss. And he's going to get by almost everybody. In fact, he gets by everybody and goes into the end zone for a touchdown. You can't overthrow Randy Moss. Guy has 4-2 speed. He's quicker than a hiccup. Not a one-week wonder, which we have seen in this league before. Randy Moss, catch and go. Moss accelerating. He'll take it the distance. Randy Moss. Randy Moss is and Dante Culpepper. All it takes is that little hesitation right there by the safety 25 to come up to support the run. Down of the season. Sell this slant really hard, turned his head around, completely lost Ken Lucas, who's a very good defender. Nobody in this league that can cover him one on one. Well, and I'll tell you what, look at this. He's the only guy out in the pattern, and Sharper's lost. It's already he's already beaten. They're gonna have to think again. Bryant Westbrook is just totally outclassed in a foot race and now you see why people are so fearful of Randy Moss why they double cover for me to be able to go out here and change and revolutionize the game from a single safety to a cover two safety and <coughs> dropping three guys deep dropping four guys deep Jets in a safe defense it's as safe as you can have in the NFL Randy Moss goes up the field all the way across to the far sideline and and it turned into the touchdown as Randy Moss beat the safety. And still be able to make it happen. Two for first down. Culpepper's got time, waits, and lets it fly. Way down for Randy Moss. He's got it. Moss trying to outrun him. He does. Touchdown, Minnesota. That's why that. At the 43. Culpepper slings it to Moss over the middle. He's wide got inside Williams and he's off to the races it's the hat trick Patriots with third and ten Brady with time going back again to Moss touchdown Patriots
I think I'm the greatest receiver to ever do it. Boy, you have a lot of confidence. You see the coverage, but you just throw it up and look at Randy Moss go up, fight for the football. That is strictly a case. I want it more than you do. Cameron Morrell yeah. and Will Allen were both there. I really hold my hat on that, that I really feel in my heart and my mind that I am the greatest receiver to ever play this game. Welcome, everybody, to the latest edition of the Legends of Sports and Music. This is your host, the OG Rob Silver. I want to welcome back for a second time. I mean, people are still telling me about the Magic Johnson episode we did together. My man all the way from California, Ian Joseph. And today, Ian and I will be talking about the career of one of the greatest players to ever lace up cleats on an NFL uh, field and that is the legendary Randall Moss. Ian, welcome back and Ian tell the tell the listeners when you first became a Minnesota Vikings fan because if anybody knows Ian, Ian has two sport three sports loves. He loves boxing, make it four. He's a huge pro wrestler fan and but the biggest loves of his life are the L.A. Lakers and the Minnesota Vikings. Tell us about how you began to become a diehard Minnesota Vikings fan. So what's happening, everybody? Uh, Ian Joseph here representing Los Angeles, California. Um, one, before we even get into that, I always want to just show love to my man, Robert who just puts in just his blood, sweat, and tears, but more so anything, his passion with these different podcasts that he does. And it's an honor for me to, to share the stage with him, you know, another time. So, uh, you know, again, I'm humbled that he reached out to me and said, hey, let's do this, you know, because when you're talking about Randy Moss and you talk about the Minnesota Vikings seat, that, 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 that's my thing. Mm -hmm. You know, anybody that sees me on Twitter – I don't have a picture of my face on the handle, and I'm not a bad-looking dude, but I don't give a shit about all that. What it is is I got on Twitter to read sports, and, you know, my cornerstone is the Vikings. So when you see me right there, you get it's the, it's the Vikings logo. Not my face, not anything else dealing with my life. It's the Vikings because that's where I live. That's, that's my heart right there. So – me being a Vikings fan goes back to, and for some of your younger listeners, they're not going to understand this because they weren't alive. That's cool, though. Uh, it goes back to the 1987-88 uh, NFL season. And a whole lot of things happened in that year. But I got sucked into being a Vikings fan. I was 11. And uh, the Vikings were playing the 49ers in the playoffs. This was the year the Vikings, uh, well, I don't need to say all that because I'm about to say it here. So, well, Hey, before you, before you yeah, finish, but, that was the year that the fucking Vikings began. Uh, of the, and the only time we would defeat the Vikings would be when Brett Farr played in that NFC championship game. But you guys destroyed my saints in the opening round, man. I threw up. Oh, that was a horrible. That game was no contest. And, that was the greatest season the Saints ever had up until that point. We had gone 12-3. and three. 
but uh, the the Niners went thirteen and two, so we uh, fell short uh, of the West of uh, the West title. We played the Vikings in the Superdome, and the Vikings destroyed us, which led to the Vikings playing the Niners the next week in the playoffs. Talk about it. So, okay, one, my heart bleeds for you. It really does. <laughs> it, oh man, I, I I am just so touched that you were. <laughs> The Vikings emaciated you. Uh, you know, yes. oh, I feel I, not really because I can't stand y'all. I'm, I, you know, it it goes. We go fast forward to 2009, which we don't need to bring up unless it comes up. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I I don't have any hard feelings for a Saints fan ever, <laughs> ever. Yeah. Hey, but you know what? Yo, yo, got us back twofold. I mean, later on in the playoffs, since then you've owned us so. I mean, everything evens out or or goes into somebody's advantage in the long run. Yeah, yeah, but the the thing about it is, the the one time we got got is probably the one time that we probably would have won a chip. So, you know, but hey, that there's been other heartbreak losses and shit. With the uh, I don't know. I, I, today we'll be talking about a team that I think. <laughs> Should have won it all. All right. I, oh, I, we go. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. No <laughs> doubt. No doubt. So anyway, let me let me get back on topic here. So yeah. Um, the Vikings play the 49ers, and again, I'm 11, and so I don't have the the love of the sport like you certainly do. I don't remember all the things that were going on at that time as it relates to what the teams are doing this and that. I knew who was good. I, you know, you know who's in the Super Bowl. But at the time, the L.A. Raiders were kind of still at their little bit of, of, of certainly popularity out here. But, you know, they were still competitive uh, coming off that not too long ago uh, Super Bowl win against Washington. So uh, but for me, you know, it was just I was just at a kind of a time where I was like, OK, you know, you just kind of searching as, as a young man, you know, tween trying to figure out who you are. And I remember watching the Vikings play the 49ers. And I know that the 49ers were favored to win the game. The game was, you know, at Candlestick. And the Vikings beat the dog shit out of them. Yeah, I, if I'm not mistaken, the, the Niners might have been a double-digit favorite. Remember, they were 13-2 and two that year. Yeah, oh, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah. And I actually, you know, I actually ended up watching this game. We'll get into this, but I ended up watching this game again a few years ago in its entirety. And I feel like it's really the first time I watched that game mm-hmm. because I this first time I watched that game from an adult perspective. So, uh, but they beat the dog shit out of the 49ers. And just as a young kid, I was like, oh, that's my team. And like when you point at the TV and you claim it, that's my team. And that's what I did. And so at that point, and somebody might say, well, you know what, now because you chose the Vikings, that's why these motherfuckers keep losing. And I, I if for anybody that feels like that, that that's that hurts. Because it actually might be true, but nonetheless, you, for me, you know, just that—that that was my team. And so, following them the next week in Washington, where probably should have won that game, but that's a whole nother story. And then, as you know, just the seasons progress. As I grew, I grew with them. And so now you're talking about a, a kid who becomes a teenager, who becomes an adult, who stays with the team and 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 the fandom grows in me to the point where now I go back and you know I learn the history of the team and whatnot but you know it, it's about bleeding Vikings purple and now here we fast forward to all of these different milestones which certainly includes 
the acquisition of players, you know, most of all, Randy Moss. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when did you first hear about Randy Moss? So Randy Moss, I actually heard about Randy Moss a few different ways. Um, The first was just kind of following college sports. Randy Moss actually was going to Notre Dame. And Randy Moss being a knucklehead, you know, in his youth, and we might get into that a little bit because I've got a, a couple of personal stories, but I need to be very, very calculated in what I say. And okay. you'll understand why. Gotcha. But, um, you know, just kind of following Moss, you know, Moss being a knucklehead, Lou Holtz was like, look here, this is not going to work. Because, again, Notre Dame recruited Randy Moss. So Lou Holtz made a call to Bobby Bowden at Florida State and said, hey, look here, I'm about to do you a big-ass favor. And uh, I got a kid that I just, Notre Dame, it's, it's not going to work. But he's, he's an elite talent. He might be the best, you know, uh, high school wide receiver I've ever seen. And... I'm going to turn him on to you. And so I don't know exactly where Randy Moss was on the recruiting scene and whatnot, because again, with him being a knucklehead, that's going to turn off some people, especially, you know, some of these white folks at these institutions that, you know, they'll put up with only so much. And so Moss, you know, finds his way to to FSU. Um, I'm not exactly sure if Moss was redshirted his first year or whatever, but ultimately never gets on the field for FSU. Um, and finds his way to Marshall. And I think he got into some trouble. Um, And so he gets to Marshall. When I first got exposed to Randy Moss, he was at Marshall. It wasn't the year he came out. It was the year before. And he was killing. Was was Chad Pennington his quarterback at the time or not yet? Uh, He might have been. I know that Pennington was his quarterback, his – his his uh his last year of Marshall, but I don't remember if Pennington was the quarterback um the year before. And and just because again, I'm not I'm not no Marshall fan. I mean I, I liked him and I liked the fact that right, right. Neither, neither you know one double A team. Neither am I wonder, but, hey, how would they fare yeah. against some of the big boys? And I Randy Moss is probably one of the reasons, maybe one of three reasons why Marshall became a division uh one now the FBS uh mm-hmm. schools, but um, you know, just following him, I just remember watching this dude like, God damn, he's killing people. He was tall, he was fast, he was dominant. And, you know, I don't know that I've seen a, a, a wide receiver in college ever do the things that I saw him do. I've seen close on mm-hmm. different levels, like Mike Williams at USC was an absolute murderer. Yeah, he was a beast, but, yeah. But he didn't have the speed of Moss. But, okay, so... um I also find out about Moss because a an extended we'll call it extended family. It's my uh, mom's former boss slash partner. Um, his nephew went to Marshall, and he and Moss became really, really, really good friends. Okay. Um, and yeah, again, I'm gonna be very guarded with some things that I say. I'm gonna say some things, but um, I'm I'm not mm-hmm. gonna go too deep. Um, because I want to be respectful of everybody. Right. So, but again, 
I hear about Moss from the personal side because they're talking about, we'll call him my cousin. My cousin is playing, you know, with Moss. And so now Moss is on the radar. You know, you, you're paying attention to him. And so that's when I was first exposed to Moss the year before he uh, his his uh, his last year of Marshall when he came out. So when the draft comes and, you know, you're a Vikings fan and and um, the Vikings had just come off. I remember that year the Vikings beat the Giants in the playoffs and in the, in the <laughs> wild card round and one of the craziest endings of a game you'll ever see. They had no business winning that game, but they won. Then they lost the following week. And so right now the Vikings, even though they did win a playoff game, you know, you're a fan, you would know better than me, but I, but from afar, I'm looking at this team needs, this team needs a, uh, this team needs help. They're, they're not fully there. Well, Okay. And, and so, right, you and you and be be that you made the playoffs, Ian, you don't have a super high pick. I, what was your pick? 22, 23? We were 21. 21. Okay. And the Cowboys were already ready to jump on Moss. Talk about the the draft and the shock you had when you guys were able to pick up Moss. Okay. So let's 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 I want to backtrack just 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 a smidge. Okay, so that year, that that last year that Moss had, you had people that didn't even watch college football. I don't know if they watched football. That were like, who is this guy? So mm-hmm. at that time, I was in college in Alabama. I went to Tuskegee. Right. For those that uh, don't know or have care, great. So I'm down in Auburn. Uh, Auburn University, Bo Jackson, Charles Barkley, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. because it was about 30 minutes. And that's kind of where we went to the mall and to go eat and all that, because they ain't got damn thing in Tuskegee. But um, so we're at Applebee's or something and we're watching, you know, Marshall's playing somebody and Randy Moss is killing people like and, you know, I just had a couple of friends like, who the hell is that? So it was like, man, okay, he's kind of capturing the imagination of people. And granted, it's Marshall, so not a lot of people are seeing this. But when there's being shown on ESPN, somebody's watching. And so now here you go through, he was a Heisman finalist. And, you know, but obviously they weren't going to give it to him. You know, that was uh, Peyton Manning was coming out that year. Charles Woodson came out that year. So uh, it it was. That was the year Woodson won. Yeah. 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 But again, and rightfully know. so, because Woodson. Oh, no had doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Oh, my God. oh, was he fucking phenomenal? Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> he was everything, everything in Michigan. So, um, and I'm a I'm a big draft guy. Like, I actually watch the draft. Most people don't. They'll kind of tune in here and no, I watch that some bitch. So, you're talking two days now, three days. I watch the draft because, you know, I just, I'm just interested and I'm certainly following my team. Right. And so, here we have, you know, leading up to the draft, and like you were saying, the Cowboys who had pick eight. Don't ask me why I still remember all this shit. And maybe it's just because of Moss himself. Because of Moss. Cracking That's that. why. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so the Cowboys had pick eight, and there was a whole lot of scuttlebutt because they needed a wide receiver, and it just it made way too much sense that they would take Moss. And so, you know, somebody like me, and I don't really know what the Vikings needed at that time. It was probably maybe defense because the offense actually was pretty good. 
you had Chris Carter, you had Jake Reed. Um, we had Robert, some other, you know, Robert Chris Smith Walsh was Robert been there. Was Robert uh, Smith on the team? He Robert Smith was there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, Brad Johnson was the quarterback who at the time was legit. Randall Cunningham was the uh, was the backup, and you know. And Randall, you know, just was trying to salvage his career from all the shit that had happened. In well, Philly. remember, Randall had taken a two-year sabbatical, so yeah, it, yeah, he you was know. he was just like you said, just trying to work his way back into maybe one day being a starting quarterback somewhere else. Because it looked, and I, if, if you could tell me if I'm wrong, you could correct me if I'm wrong. Brad Johnson was considered to be a guaranteed Pro Bowler from the jump. I don't know about from the jump, but the Vikings developed Brad Johnson. You know, mm-hmm. at the time, the the NFL draft was like 17 days. These motherfuckers had, you know, like 27 rounds and shit. And Brad Johnson right. was a late, it was, he was a late, late pick. Like, he was like in the 14th round or something like that. Mm-hmm. But the Vikings slowly developed him. And once, you know, they were ready to let him loose, he was, he was a good quarterback, you know, and, and, uh, he ended up getting a chip with Tampa a little bit down the line, but Brad Johnson was a good ass quarterback. So anyway, going back to the draft, I wasn't really sure what the Vikings needed. Uh, maybe they needed a little bit of defense or something like that. Our our secondary under Dennis Green was always suspect, and we'll talk about that towards the end. Because uh, yeah. So anyway, um, draft day watching okay draft is unfolding the way that it's supposed to moss is the obvious wild card because here's this talent who's got a little bit of trouble you know this this checkered you know history and 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 stuff going on and what are you know you know what are nfl teams gonna do and so cowboys are up here we are at eight and they passed and they took a i want to say they took a defensive end um, I don't. I think it was Greg Acubon, but if it's not, sue me. I don't care if the Cowboys fucked them. So <laughs> same here. <laughs> hey, look, let's be real with it. So if you're a Cowboys fan, my bad. I actually, no, you're bad. But uh, <laughs> anyway, just so um, they don't take him. Uh oh. Well, damn. So now you start looking at the draft board, and well, who's gonna take him? Now, at this time, I'm not thinking anything about the Vikings getting him because we're at 21. Right. There's right. 13 picks to go. You know, so, um, it, but it, it's one of those things that you just kind of monitor. So he starts sliding, and then there's another team that could use a wideout. They don't take him. Here's Tennessee at 15 or 16, and they could take him, and they take Kevin Dyson. And it was like, whoa. And for those that don't know who Kevin Dyson is, his claim to fame, um, well, he's got two claims to fame. But the one that I'll give him a, a happy claim to fame, he's the one that caught the uh, Music City Miracle, yeah, the miracle. ball and, yep. and, and scored the touchdown. Um, but I ain't going to talk about the other one. Poor, poor and he had, a, he had a solid career, but he, he did, wasn't. He did, but, but again, he, he wasn't Randy Moss. Moss. He, and he wasn't yeah. the talent. <laughs> Over yeah. But what he right. was is he was squeaky clean. Yeah. See, Randy Moss w- w- was dirty. And the people people were afraid of him. And 
maybe rightfully so, because he has some real shade on him. Real shade on him. You know, it, it's funny. I want to make a comparison. It reminds me back in 1983 when Dan Marino didn't go until the very, almost the very end. Yeah, that, he was the last pick of the first round because there was uh, allegations that he had used cocaine and was a heavy partier at University of Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And he fell into the Dolphins' lap. And I've always felt that the two greatest players that never won a Super Bowl rig were Dan Marino and Randy Moss. And they both had, uh, they both fell into the laps of the team that they would go on and build their legacy with. Oh, no doubt. No <laughs> doubt. No doubt. And so, okay. So Kevin Dyson falls. I mean, I mean, he, you know, Kevin Dyson gets picked by Tennessee. And so now, People are like, okay, what's going on with Moss? And there's a whole lot of conjecture. But I'll never forget, Andrea Kramer was working for ESPN at the time. And there was a report that they said, hey, the Vikings are monitoring what's happening with Randy Moss. um, Because Randy Moss's half-brother, Eric, plays for the team. So this is really the first time I'm even thinking about the Vikings getting Moss because the Vikings at that time, they were not a team that really traded around in the, uh, in the draft. They did it a little bit, but not too, too much. They were more likely to uh, trade their picks. They, they did trade their picks. One, you remember well, this. Uh, that, let's, not, let's not talk about that. Continue. Don't bring that up. All right. You got it. You got yeah. See, 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 it you guys, you rub it salt. Got, That's why I said, they traditionally didn't trade around in the draft. They would, you know, more so trade picks for players. And and we, we already know what that is. Like, you know what? You you told me you wanted me to do something at the end of this. I want to do I want to do it a different way. Or I want to bring right. in a different spin on it. But let's right. we'll get there. So here we go. Because I I don't want to take up too much time here, so you don't have a whole lot of shit to edit. But um Andrew Kramer drops this report about the Vikings monitoring what's going on with Moss. So now, Viking fans are thinking about, hmm, maybe, maybe this could be something. But again, we're not, we're not locked in on. At least I wasn't because it was still, there's still all these other teams to go, and people can trade up because now he's falling towards teams that are playoff teams that right. could could you know basically trade up in the draft, give up a little bit of capital. And add him to their team, and oh shit. So the Lions had the pick before us. And the thought was the Lions could pick Moss. And the Lions drafted Terry Fair, this cornerback. I forget where Terry Fair played, but I'll never forget that. Because now the Vikings are on the clock. And at that time, the draft clock for the first round was 15 minutes. And so I'm like... Oh, oh, oh by the way... Uh, yeah. uh, the two most snake-bitten teams in the NFL, I've always felt, are the Lions and the Jets. Uh, the Jets passed on on Moss again, also that season, didn't they? <laughs> Man, look, everybody passed on Moss, dude. So, I mean, hey. So, imagine imagine if the Lions going into 1998 had Barry Sanders and Randy Moss, two of the ten greatest football players I've ever seen in my lifetime. Snake-bitten. Go ahead. <laughs> well, they would fuck that off because they're the Lions. But the and and I have look, ain't I would like you know say something half nice to a Lions fan, but let's be honest, ain't a Lions fan listening to your podcast. 
And oh, no, no, no. You got a Lions fan? I got a lot of Detroit listeners. There's only like seven of them in the world. I got a lot of Detroit listeners. Oh, really? shout There's out. There's only like, and they're yeah. Lions fans? Wow. Yeah, yeah. They, they're all, hey, they, oh, hey, look, they sell 50,000 tickets a, 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 a week. They go to the games, man. It's not I, like I, they're, I, look, they're not look, an empty look, stadium. I, you, look, you watch I, the games. They play look, twice yeah, a year. Yeah, I watch the games. I, look, look, I, 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 see the, I see what's going on in Ford Field. I just can't be convinced fully that those people that are at that game are being paid to attend. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. My apologies, because I've got several Detroit listeners. Right, I love well, you guys, man. Well, Go ahead. Go ahead. I mean, look, I have no hard feelings with the city of Detroit. Hey, I'm, look, look, look. I look. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta take it from Ian's perspective. That's been his rival. His team's rival for many, many, many years. It's been a one-sided rivalry, though. Go yeah, ahead. yeah. This not really a rivalry. <laughs> it, it's kind of when you're uh, you're having a fight with your little brother, and you know you, you push him down, and you push him in a corner, or whatever the case is. And every once in a while, your little brother gets that wild swing and hits you in the nose and bloody. Well, it, it's been like that since Barry retired, because during the nineties, the the Lions made the playoffs several times. Oh they no, just, no, no, no! Look, yeah, look here, yeah, look here, yeah. yeah. You talk going back to the Lions, Barry Sanders, Wayne Fontes, as he would say yeah. it, um, Herman Moore. I mean, they always had a respectable squad. It's just mm-hmm. that it's been very inconsistent in Detroit, especially over the last twenty years. Oh no, and, they've been god awful yeah. the last yeah, since Barry yeah. left. And, and, they've god awful. You yeah. know, and 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 to be real, because again, I follow football. I'm not just a Vikings fan. I'm a football mm-hmm. fan. Yes, you are. And, the thing about it is you can't be a hater of another team and not know it because then it just makes you look like, you know, mm-hmm. just a punk. So I actually know about the Lions. And, again, if there are Lions fans that listen to the podcast, not just people that live in Detroit, because some of those people are like, you know what, I ain't fuck with the Lions no more. But, you know, uh, there is love there for sure. NFC North, uh, I'll never pull for y'all. But, again, I respect y'all. So going back, they take Terry Fair. And it's like, oh, shit. So Vikings are on the clock. What are they going to do? And so, again, you have a whole lot of posturing because throughout the draft, people have said, oh, we'll consider Moss. And then when it was up on their pick, they didn't take it. So now here we go. I think the Vikings have been on the clock four minutes. And here comes the commissioner, uh, Paul Tagliabue. Here he comes. And uh, with the 21st pick in the NFL draft, the Minnesota Vikings select Randy Moss. Dog. Dog, when that shit happened, I think I ran around like my apartment. <laughs> like it, it was like, oh shit! I called my homeboy, uh, who it was a football fan and was elsewhere on the campus, and told him what just happened. And he was like, "Dude, I'm watching." He said, "Oh shit, y'all, y'all about to do people dirty," and I'm just like. Because getting a talent like that, and the one of, I mean, the thing about it is the Vikings had some needs. None of the needs were wide receiver. That was probably the one thing we probably didn't need. But again, if you want to go with the best player available, you know, situation in the draft, which a lot of people do in the first round at least. Well, um, that was that was always the philosophy of George Young, because when George Young took over the New York Giants. 
Lawrence Taylor was the best athlete available, but the Giants already had a great linebacking core. Yeah. He said, no, I go with the best athlete available. And <laughs> uh, Lawrence Taylor, and we'll be talking about – I got something to say about Lawrence Taylor when we talk about Randy Moss. Go ahead, continue. All right, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, and I just start making phone calls, and mm-hmm. I'm excited. And now, because I thought the Packers, who were in the Super Bowl – the you know the the previous year against uh, Denver, I thought the Packers were done because I thought that they were kind of on the downslope, and I did think that the Vikings were on an upswing. But again, I'm having conversations about it in February, you mm-hmm. know, and this was long before the draft. Um, and so, man, look, it, to say that I was excited was an absolute understatement and let's fast okay so let's fast forward let's fast forward to the season good and i want to segue on what you just said about green bay i want to talk about the two games he played against green bay and of course not infamous but the legendary thanksgiving day performance and ladies and gentlemen in my opinion is 46 years of watching the nfl greatest thanksgiving day performance i've ever seen when the Vikings took on the Cowboys. So talk about the games against the Packers that year and the game against the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. All right, so the first game against Green Bay was on Monday Night Football. Yes! It was a rainy-ass game. It was like week five. It was a rainy-ass night in in Green Bay. In Lambeau Field. Lambeau Field. So the Vikings are 4-0, and Moss had been giving it to teams – you know, for the previous four weeks. He had a, a game-winning touchdown catch against the Bears the week before. Now, oh, oh and, and and when did Randall take over the reins as starting quarterback? Uh, was I want to say it was week two. Week uh, two, Brad, right. Yeah, Brad right. Johnson, uh, I don't remember if he broke his leg or if yeah. he, broke it. he broke his hand. It was one of those two things, but... He got injured but, in the first week, right. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he could, uh, if it was the first week, then it was against Tampa. Because mm-hmm. Moss had two or three touchdown catches that game, and the first reception in Moss's career was thrown by Brad Johnson. So, um, anyway, you know Randall takes over, and and Lord have mercy. But all of this comes to a head very early at that Monday night game. So the Monday night game, and I missed the part of the first quarter. So when I started watching the game. I was at school. I was at my homeboy's apartment. And I'm trying to remember what was going on with me that day. It's probably insignificant. But I get there, and the score is 3-3. And I'm already like, okay, what the fuck is going on? Why is it 3-3? You know, know, nah, we better than this. And I don't think that I was there for two minutes. And Cunningham throws that first bomb to Moss that he catches and then kind of stutters, sidesteps a couple Mm -hmm. and walks into the end zone. And I was like, oh, shit. And it basically became a jailbreak at that point. And it wasn't just Moss giving it to the Packers. It was all the Vikings. But Moss was definitely leading the pack because he was cooking these dudes. And even if he wasn't catching touchdown passes, he was open. And it was it was nothing that they could do. Nothing that they could do to the point where these motherfuckers drafted three corners 
in the following in the ninety nine. The following season, <laughs> they took a corner in the first round. They took a corner in the second round. They took a corner in the third round. That's how afraid of Randy Moss they were. So that game now on a national level, Randy Moss, the Minnesota Vikings, certainly Randall Cunningham, they are now capturing the eye of America because they are absolutely throttling Green Bay in Green Bay on the a NFC champions, the NFC champions on their own field. Beat the brakes off these motherfuckers, and I and, and I was there for it. Like, oh, look at my team go, and so now the Vikings they they keep stacking wins, and so they're eight zero, and then they go and they play in Tampa. Tampa was uh, still a part of the NFC North at the time, so we played them, you know, twice, and so we play them in Tampa, and um, they're the only team to beat us in the regular season. They beat us twenty seven twenty four. And it was a, you know, and you know what I loved about that game, two black head coaches. People don't talk about this, and two black head coaches that had tremendous success in their NFL careers in Tony Dungy and Dennis Green. Well, and see, Tony Dungy was our defensive coordinator before he got that job. At look at that! Look at so, that! Yeah, look Dennis that. Green. You know, Tony Dungy, Dennis Green—they're all from the Bill Walsh tree. But, yes, yes, um, yes, yes. But again, Tony Dungy was my defensive coordinator. Yeah, and um, Tony Dungy, one of the greatest defensive minds in the history of the NFL. Oh, People, no do no not doubt. forget about Tony Dungy, all right? Hall of Famer, very well-deserving. The man was a genius, and he built two Super Bowl teams, not one, right? No doubt. So, <laughs> so the Vikings lose that game, and they basically, you know, you know, they check themselves and they keep rolling. And here we are, uh, the first Green Bay game or the second Green Bay game, the one in Minnesota. Now this is a, now a nationally televised game. And I remember seeing the commercials for it where they took. Well, they the, first, the, the first gun. was on Monday night. So the so first both was games. Night, but so now both are nationally talking about because yeah. the Vikings and and also this pissed me off because I went to school down south. And the team that was closest to the Falcons, us was the Falcons, the Falcons. Right. So they never showed the Viking games. It didn't matter that the Vikings were killing people. They well, showed the Falcons. Well, 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 the Falcons were having a great season they that year as well. Too, but they were yeah. Getting, but fuck them. I didn't want to watch them. Been, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm down. You know, in a, in a region that doesn't care about anything other than their kind the of Falcons. teams. And yeah, the, Fal- the Falcons. And the, the Falcons. Falcons. The Falcons own the South, the 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 uh anything east to it, right? No, anything west to it, it would be Tennessee. Now, yeah. So yeah. nonetheless, it was just like it's just it was Falcons all the goddamn time. And again, this was before Directv, NFL Sunday Ticket, and even right, right, not this right. was before I can get that shit because I'm a college student. I ain't got no right, money. Right, right. So, right. um, and you know, sports bars and all that other type of shit that. I wasn't close to any of that kind of stuff. So, nonetheless, this is the first game uh, that I feel like on a Sunday I'm going to get to watch the Vikings. And Fox is pubbing the game throughout the week, talking about last time, your house, uh, rematch, our house. And, you know, it was like, oh, okay. And I remember watching that game. And now the media is really starting to capture the magic of the Vikings. 
you know, this, this 1998 team is something else. And greatest offense, you know, just they're, 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 they're smashing people. Like to the levels that I've never seen people get smashed on the NFL field uh, points-wise. And so, you know, reading a lot of different articles, I remember reading an article that basically said uh, the sporting news, they used to like rank teams and have yes. a lot of different articles yes. uh, about mm-hmm. them. And so I was reading a lot about the Vikings around this time. And, and I'm loving it because the Vikings are never, for people that aren't Viking fans, the Vikings are seldom going to capture the, the attention of the masses. It's, it's only still- it's only happened a few times in my yeah. lifetime. It happened when Far was there. It happened when Randy Moss was there. And before that, uh, in that probably really. before me, Fred Tarkenton. That's it. That's, that's before my time. Yeah, know, that's that, before that's, my time too. Yeah, because yeah, when know, I started watching football, yeah. Tarkenton broke his leg the first year I started watching and never played again. Next, you know, he was on Monday Night Football. So <laughs> yeah. So okay. So reading all this stuff, one of the articles said that if Minnesota beats both Green Bay and Dallas, because the 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 Thanksgiving game was the following Thursday after the Green Bay game. So they said if the Vikings beat both of these teams, they're convinced that they're going to Miami, which is where the Super Bowl was that year. So um, the Vikings, you know, the the second game against Green Bay was was a bit of a tussle. The Vikings won, but it it wasn't as easy as the game was in Green Bay in week five. I remember that. But Moss dominated the game, and he didn't – I mean, I think he had a touchdown catch, but it was just the way that he was playing. Moss was going across the middle and and making those catches and, you know, making catches in traffic. It was like, oh, it's like that? And it was was a hell of a game to watch. And so it wasn't – again, it didn't have the flair – of the first game being on Monday night football, but it was still a great, great, great win, especially if you're a Vikings fan, because you're loving it. Because again, we've never seen anything like this. And so we're, we're riding this wave because Viking fans who've lost, you know, four, you know, Super Bowls uh, at that time. And all of these heartbreaks in NFC championship games, we feel like, you know what? It's finally our year that we can't fuck this up. And so, we're, we're, and we're watching greatness unfold with this rookie, rookie wide receiver that the league has no answer for. No answer for. And so let's and fast forward to Did we to go to Dallas. Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving in Dallas? Go ahead. Now, this game is being talked about for a lot of different reasons, but it's the first matchup between Randy Moss and Deion Sanders. Now, Deion, I don't think, was at his peak because they were talking about his toe injuries and all he that had lost he had lost a step this was in 1993 1994 1995 yeah. Dion, which was the greatest cornerback i ever saw yeah. he had lost a step by by 98 but nonetheless he was still Deion sanders and he's better than 90 percent of the corners yeah yeah and and effort. even though he had lost a step teams still for some reason weren't attacking his side oh the well, Vikings because, were going to attack his side. Yeah, because it's still <laughs> Deion Sanders. And yeah, yeah. the last thing you want to do is do that. But right. I remember Chris Collins were talking about, hey, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if Randy Moss ate Deion Sanders lunch today. Well, I said, oh, shit. And so 
here you have this game, and I feel like this game is being shown on a lot of just different TVs. I've seen a lot of highlights on Twitter lately, and, and I don't know exactly what it is, but I, I'm here for it because, again, fuck the Cowboys. So, dude. I think Moss only had three catches that game. They were all they were all for touchdowns. They, they were, were all for touchdowns, and yeah. they were for long touchdowns. And I don't think I've ever just seen anything. Just I mean, the Vikings again won the game, and the Vikings dominated the game. You'll see the score; it wasn't nearly as close as the score. There was a lot of garbage. Uh, oh yeah! At the end. Oh yeah! yeah. Oh yeah! That because, game was that game yeah. was over in the third quarter. Yeah, and and the Vikings defense wasn't all world, but it was it was pretty good. And they were a great defense when they had the lead. So, um, you know, it was okay. We bend, we but we don't break. And that was always kind of the defense mantra under Dennis Green. Um, And so they did a little bit of bending that game, but it was never to the point where a Vikings fan was worried. Like there was never a game the Vikings played up until the NFC championship in the second half against the Falcons, where I personally was worried. I was never worried about this team. Well, and, and, let's and that never happened to me before. And it, let's it fast forward. Let's fast forward to that NFC championship game. Um, ladies and gentlemen, before he talks about that NFC championship game, I almost bet five hundred dollars on the on the on the Vikings that day, but at the last second I decided not to, and thank God I didn't. I thought they were a sure thing. I thought they were a sure thing. And Ian is going to tell you why that sure thing did not become a sure thing second half of of that NFC Championship game. So the Falcons actually scored the first touchdown of the game, and it was 7-0, and Jamal Anderson did the dirty bird in the uh, the end zone, and the Viking fans threw out a bunch of boos. But again, it was the very first possession of the game. The Vikings didn't have the ball yet. And so it was like, all right, all right, we see what time it is. And I remember that. I remember this day. I went to church with my aunt, and uh, we were actually late getting back because the Vikings played first. Uh, the NFC Championship was before the AFC Championship. So we um, we get back, and the game hadn't started. But, you know, I'm just – I ain't trying to be rushing, trying to watch my team play. And so I had – you know, again – you're talking to somebody who, uh, at the time, I was 21. Uh, no, I was 22. And I'm older now from... Oh, what, what, what is your birthday, Ian? Um, September 12th. All right, so this is January of 99, so you would have been January 29. Yeah, yeah. So I... Um, you're talking to somebody, and this, again, is still the case, but I've never seen the Vikings in the Super Bowl. I've seen highlights of the Vikings in the Super Bowl, but me with my team, I've never seen my team in the Super Bowl. And in respect to the Lakers and all of the chips that I've seen the Lakers win, you know, since I started following the Lakers as a kid, the Lakers will never be the type of, uh, they're never going to capture my heart, my love, my soul, you know, if you will. Like the Vikings will never. See, Ian has two children, and he, he and the Vikings and the Lakers, and the Vikings are his, is his favorite child. Oh, look, look, <laughs> look, dude, look, look. And, and again, that's no shame. And you were a Lakers fan. You yeah, were a Lakers fan no before you were Viking fan. You know, but look, 
and the Lakers. And you, this this, this says a lot about Ian's love for the Vikings. Dude. A, he was a he's from he's from the area. B, he was a Laker fan first, and C, he got to see one of the three greatest basketball players I've ever seen in my lifetime play night in and night out, and yet the Vikings are his favorite team. <laughs> Look, so here, let me just put this in perspective for the listeners. I'm not from Minnesota. Yep. I, I, I've been to Minnesota, but I'm not from Minnesota. I didn't go to Minnesota for a game until 2011. That was my first time in Minnesota mm. for a Vikings game. Now, fast forward, I'm now a Vikings season ticket holder, and I've been one since 2011. Ironically, the first game that I saw the Vikings play was against Green Bay, and it was Christian Ponder's first star. We are not talking about Christian Ponder on this goddamn podcast. Uh, I don't even want alone. to talk about Christian Ponder. No, 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 no. We, on a podcast we, we're sticking to the Moss years. That's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, never, never. So, it's blasphemous. So anyway, you, you're talking about somebody who this this is my team. Doesn't matter where I'm from, where they from. This is my team. So again, I've never seen my this team, my team in a, in a Super Bowl. I'm thinking that 1998, 99, that day in January, I'm gonna see my team go to the Super Bowl. And while I haven't set up all these kind of things that I'm going to do, people are already starting to have conversations with me. Hey, Ian, we want to watch the Super Bowl with you. Hey, uh, if the Vikings... Were, win, you, were, you, were you contemplating trying to find tickets nah, and no, go no, to no, Miami? No, no, okay, no, no. all right. I wasn't at that kind of point in my life, dude. Just right. that point in my life, I was at... If that was today, a, you would have, though, right? Said, you oh, would. well, that'd be your old who. Like... Now it's a di- it's a different time for, for your boy. Different time. Um, good, good, good. And I don't I don't want to sidetrack, but the year that we got our ass whooped in Philly, uh, where we probably should have beat them and gone to the Super Bowl and played the Super Bowl in Minnesota, I probably. Being a season ticket holder, I probably had about a 22% chance of landing tickets for the Super Bowl. Had I landed them, uh, they would have allowed me to buy, because I have four seats in, in the new stadium. If you want to get at me because you want to go to a game, uh, hit me up at via DM, and uh, we'll have a conversation about it. But um, I have four seats, and if they allowed me to buy four tickets, I was going to use two, and I was going to sell the other two. And I was going to use the proceeds from the other two to pay for the two that I was going to use. So basically, I would have gone for free. But you would have gone for free, right? Yeah. I would have gone for yeah. free. Oh, no doubt. But if, if they only allow me to buy two, I'm going. So, you know, but again, anytime, anywhere the Vikings show up in the Super Bowl, your boy's probably going to be there at this point in his life. Now, okay. at that time, now back to the point. second half. Yeah, yeah. Back so, to the second half. Low, low point. So before. At the end of the first half, the Vikings were up 20 to 7. And I thought it was over. No, Ian, I, I did too. And, and I was like, God damn, I should have made that bet. So this I should have made that bet. <laughs> so it's 20 to 7. The Vikings got the ball. Randall Cunningham is winding up. He's about to throw. And I know when Randall's about to throw a bomb because Randall had kind of this long wind up. By the way, by the way, he had one of the most beautiful. Bomb throwing passes oh, I've dude, ever, ever. It, the, it reminded me of Ken Griffey's home run swing. 
the way he would launch that football, oh, my God. The, the, two, the two prettiest I've ever seen throwing a bomb with Dan Marino and Randall Cunningham. And you know who else had a beautiful bomb? Michael Vick. Loved it. Loved it. Go ahead. Go ahead. No doubt. Continue. So he's wanting to throw a bomb to Chris Carter. And uh, Chuck Smith from the Falcons gets a handout and strips the ball mm-hmm. as he's winding up to throw this bomb. Now, if Randall gets this bomb off, Chris Carter is going to beat whoever the corner is for another touchdown. And this is towards the end of the half. It might have yep. been like yep. 30 seconds ago in the half. And so if the Vikings go in 27 to 7, it is a wrap. A like the Falcons could have got on the bus and gone home because this game's over. But strip happens, Falcons recover the ball, Falcons score a quick touchdown, and now it's 20 to 14. A 14 point swing, and that might have been the more decisive factor than what happened in the second half because you're right. Yeah. 27 to 7 going in half instead of 20 to 14, it's a wrap. So, what I think happened, and I don't know this for a fact, but what I think happened is for the first time all season, when it really mattered, the Vikings are hit with adversity. Right. They've always been front running, they've been beating teams' asses where they've never really needed to worry about anything because every time they got the ball, it's a goddamn touchdown. Field goal at the worst. And you have a kicker who at that moment had not missed a single field goal kick all season. Gary now, Anderson now, now, Gary did not Anderson, miss a kick all season. Gary Anderson had made every field goal and every, every field goal and every point after attempt, right? Every kick. A, a season like this, this type of magic, and it not result in a championship. People might argue the 2009 Vikings, maybe, but the 2009 Vikings weren't on this level. This no, no like I'm, I'm going hey. the the two greatest teams that I've seen that didn't win the Super Bowl. Randy Moss was 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 on both teams. Right? <laughs> so. Uh, yeah. So, because that Patriots team that didn't win, we'll, we'll talk about that Patriots. Yeah. Uh, down, that late later on in the episode. Go ahead. Got it. Got it. Got it. So, okay, <laughs> man. And so the Vikings now have this adversity, and you know, for me, I didn't think about a goddamn adversity. I'm like, okay, it's twenty to fourteen. We gonna come out. We get the ball back. Let's go down the field. Let's cook these motherfuckers because the magic number for me was forty. We put right. a 40 spot on anybody, it's over. And 40 was a foregone conclusion because that's what we were scoring. We put mm-hmm. 41 on the Cardinals the week before. Mm-hmm. So why, what, what, what in my mind believes that we wouldn't do that? I, I have no belief that we won't put a 40 spot on the Falcons. So the second half starts and the defense is playing fine because the Falcons aren't doing shit. But the Vikings' offense is sputtering. It's not doing shit either. And it's not like the Vikings to not do shit. And so it's just like, okay, what's going on here? And then they're talking about, you know, somebody might have a rib injury or an injury, this and that. And Randall's not having a good game to where there's 
some scuttlebutt about Brad Johnson, who's healthy now and is just the backup. Do they put him in for a spark? But I think because Dennis Green, but well, Dennis Green is not that type of coach, though. No, no, that no, was no, no, no. that not that that that, that, Green, that was bullshit commentary. Because yeah. Dennis Green, when he always stuck by his starting quarterback, well, he did, you know. Yeah. But at the, again, at the same time, Brad Johnson was Dennis Green's starting quarterback when the season started. It's just the fact that he got hurt. Randall came in and Randall did his absolute thing. And so I think Dennis Green. Yeah, but Dennis you know Green is like, I, I he was, earned the job. It's his job. Yeah, to it move. is. It is. And he brought us here. It I'm is. not going to go away from that. That's the way Dennis Green was the same way with Dante Culpepper. <laughs> so fast forward, nothing happens in the third quarter. The Vikings score uh, a touchdown. Uh, Randall throws a touchdown pass to Matthew Hatchett on a on a uh, somewhat of a long drive um, down the field because uh, it wasn't like it wasn't a bomb, and so Hatchet catches this touchdown and it's uh, I want to say it's twenty seven to fourteen uh, or something along those lines, and so um, Falcons you know kick a couple field goals now it's it's twenty seven twenty and the Vikings have the ball. And there's not a whole lot of time left in the game, maybe five minutes, six minutes, something like that. Mm-hmm. And the Vikings are driving and it's, it's a methodical drive. They're not throwing bombs. They're not, they're doing trying anything. to kill the clock. They're trying to kill the clock. Robert Smith yeah. Yeah. is, is, is it, you know, is actually running his ass off. Although Robert by the, by the way, the by the way, Robert Smith, one of the most underrated running backs in the history of the NFL, greatest Vikings running back I ever saw. And I saw Chuck Foreman. All right. Oh, I'm sorry, Adrian Peterson. Dad, don't do that. Don't do I'm that. sorry. Before do Adrian Peterson. Before Adrian Peterson. <laughs> Peterson blow. So, we'll talk more about Adrian Peterson later on when he does his, his top five, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, but, yeah, yeah okay. but Robert Smith, one of the most underrated running backs of all time, retired young, and has had a very successful after uh, 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 his NFL career ended. Go ahead, continue. Yeah, no doubt. So, you know. Uh, we're driving down. Robert Smith, you know, is, is, you know, running the ball. He ran out of bounds a couple of times to stop the clock, but okay, fine. Um, because again, I got Moss. I got Chris Carter. I'm not worried about all this because the next play could be the one. And so we drive down and it's third down, like third down is six. And, Randall Cunningham throws a ball to Andrew Glover, who was the tight end at the time, and it's an incomplete pass. It's like, God damn it, but we're in field goal range. Okay, so it's around two minutes or so. We're maybe like on the 30-yard line, some shit like that. We were pre- Actually, we're closer than that. We were on the 20. and uh, It was a 38-yard field goal, I yeah, believe. Yeah, that, so we're yeah, around that's yeah, up yeah, the 2021. Yeah. yeah. So it was like, all right, Gary Anderson's up. He makes this kick. We're up 10. With about two minutes to go, it's a two-score game. Um, and, you know, feeling real good about the prospects of the Vikings going to Super Bowl. This motherfucker mix, misses this kick. And they're calling it in the air. And it's it's lined up straight, but it's it's off to the left a little bit. And you can tell it's off to the left. And I'm like, are you I was kidding me? I was in shock. I yeah, could not like, believe that shit. He's going to miss this fucking kick? And, you know, Look, sure I could see if it was a 55-yarder, but this was less than 40 yards. And I yeah, was like, and, oh, and he's been making these all year. And so he misses this kick. And I'm like, God damn it. 
So I was like, all right, here we go, defense. All you got to do is stop these motherfuckers. That's all y'all got to do is stop these motherfuckers. And so two-minute drill, you know, defense, offense, you know, and a little bit of a prevent and all this kind of stuff, the Falcons kind of drive down the field. And so now the Falcons are in goal to go. Um, they're maybe like on the seven or the eight. And so the Vikings, um, the defense tightens up because now there's not a lot of field to defend. So they're not going to do all of this, this, you know, give them all this space, but keep them in bounds to keep the clock running. That ain't how they're going to play this. So the play, it was, I want to say that it was second down. Uh, Chris Chandler, and it just sucks to say some of these fucking names for the Falcons because these motherfuckers were trash. Chris as far as, as far as I can that was their quarter. I was their starting quarterback. Chris, Chris Chandler. Chris, Chris Chandler. One of the worst quarterbacks ever to take a team to the Super Bowl. Yeah, Chris Chandler. So, <laughs> yeah. Chris Chandler throws a ball into the end zone, and Robert Griffith, who was my strong safety, uh, was a great strong safety for the Vikings. Uh, Basically drops the interception. I was in shock then. I was in shock with the missed field goal by Anderson. I was shocked when Griffith dropped the ball. Like, what the yeah, fuck? he hit him and, in the fucking chest. And, 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 you know and what they always down. say? You know, they always say that uh, pro football is better than pro wrestling when it comes to work and shit. Sometimes when I see that missed field goal and that drop pass, I wonder if it's true. <laughs> oh, man. So that's the play before Chris Chandler throws the game-tying touchdown. Yep. And so, um, and on the game-tying touchdown, I think it was, might have been Derek Alexander. He just missed a sack. It may be a strip on Chris Chandler. You'll see Chris Chandler winding up the ball kind of like how Randall Cunningham did. Yeah. And you'll see a hand extend. And, it, I mean, it's just like a whisker away. But he he did he didn't get it. So game goes into overtime, and the Vikings get the ball first. And I remember my uncle calling me because I was at my uncle's house. He wasn't there, but he called me and said, "Hey, look, if the Vikings get the ball first and they don't score, the Falcons are gonna win." And so I was like, "Oh shit!" So we get the ball first, and again, I, I'm purposely not talking about it, but we get the ball back after that um, touchdown with maybe 30 seconds to go. Oh, they they, they take a knee. Yeah, they, Dennis Green took a fucking knee. On Dennis Green, you, you got Randy Moss and Chris Carter. Throw one bomb. You know, so anyway, he takes a fucking knee, and it's just like, what in the fuck is going on here? I was like, what the? Hey. Yeah, so. Everything, everything is pro wrestling. <laughs> yeah, dude. So um, Vikings get the ball in OT. They go three and out. Falcons get the ball. They go three and out. So we get it back. Okay. I was surprised that the Falcons didn't score when they got the ball back because I thought it was over. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So the Vikings get the ball. And I'm like, all right, look, goddammit. Y'all need to shake out of whatever the fuck is going on right now. Go and win this game. Let's go to the goddamn Super Bowl. And I'm still saying this to the TV. And so... I don't know what's going on with the play calling. Everybody is just puckered the fuck up. Like, they tight assed and a motherfucker. This how much pressure is on this team suddenly. Third down, 
Randall Cunningham throws a bomb to Moss. Now, Moss has cooked. He cooked the fucking corner. Like, he, I, he cooked him. I'm not even going to give an analogy of how bad he cooked. He cooked him. Eugene Robinson is the safety that's covering. He is beat like a motherfucker. If Randall throws this ball where it needs to be, Randy Moss is still running into the Super Bowl. The ball is underthrown, and Moss goes up to catch it, and Robinson goes up, and he ain't got his head to the ball, nothing, and somehow, some way, defends the ball, and it's not pass interference. And I wanted a flag bad than a motherfucker. Yeah. I don't know if it was P.I. His, or not. His, ba- his back was to the fucking play. That should have been pass interference. To the ball. He jumped in the air, and it seemed like he was trying to tackle Moss in the yep. air. Yep, yep. I, what I thought, what I thought, Ian, was that Robinson was like, "Look, I'd rather the pass interference than him catch the ball because he won't score, and, and and maybe we could stop them." But no, yeah, like no. he catches this ball, it's over, and so not no flag, no nothing, incomplete pass. We punt. Falcons get the ball. They throw a a, a pass to OJ Santiago, the fucking tight end, and. It goes for about a 35-yard gain. They get down in the field goal range. They kick the ball. Game over. So you know what's funny, Ian? As as the ball was going through the uprights, the Jets Broncos game was kicking off. The the kickoff they they, they happened simultaneously, and I'm like shaking my head, like because I I saw that's my favorite Vikings team of all time. I loved watching that team because my Saints weren't shit that year. So I'm watching the Vikings. I'm rooting for the Vikings because I'm always Pro NFC, fuck the AFC. Yeah. And after that, I'm like, I never liked the Falcons because the Falcons are my Saints rivals. And I'm like, man, fuck that. Fuck. That. I didn't even watch the Super Bowl, man. I so, was so fucking pissed. Oh, I didn't even watch yeah, the Super Bowl. Hey, I, I ain't want to see no fucking Falcons. And I hate John Elway, man. Fuck that shit, man. So, man, it, but you just, you talk. I mean, that season was Heart was rate. a magic carpet ride. And again, Randy Moss was. The reason for that. People now, talk about. I want to bring this. Yeah. The two greatest rookie seasons I have seen in my 46 years of watching the NFL, ladies and gentlemen. Lawrence Taylor in 1981 and Randy Moss in 1998. I don't give. I hate when they make the. Oh, but Odell Beckham. Man, fuck. Well, they ain't go nowhere. Fuck <laughs> Odell Beckham. Right. <laughs> right? Odell had a great rookie year, but it's not a pimple on Randy Moss's rookie yeah, year. Seventeen touchdown catches, uh, damn near eighteen yards per catch, uh, highlight after highlight, the greatest Thanksgiving game that uh, performance in the history of the NFL, one of the greatest Monday night performances in the history of the NFL, just ridiculous. It yeah. should have been capped off with a championship. Man. Of course, it should and I right. felt bad for Randall Cunningham, who, in my opinion, should have been the NFL MVP that year. So, I mean, it, it just—I mean, just heartbreaking is not even a way to describe it. In the, I don't know if it's in the new stadium, uh, but in the old stadium in the Metrodome, there was a picture that was hanging on the wall, and the picture's titled "Purple Pain." And it's all a bunch of just 
dejected Viking fans than the photo was taken right after that loss against Atlanta. And so, again, this magical carpet ride season, this magical season with Randy Moss, this this not this all universe talent it just is just wasted and then and, um i want to fast forward to two years later when they have another magic carpet ride and i don't know what the fuck happened the 2000 I'll season there. i'll tell you what happened there go ahead Take 2000 season again because moss has continued to dominate um 99 not as much, uh, at least early on, and then Jeff George becomes a starting quarterback, and that motherfucker's swinging the peel, and, you know, they're doing whatever, but that's the Rams' magic carpet ride season, and, you know, they end up uh, winning the Super Bowl. They actually beat us in the division around the playoffs in a game that... But they were be- they were better teams. So they were. They were. Yeah, and so, hey, yeah, you know what? Yeah. I, I can't... You know, th- that wasn't our year. So, the next season, this is Dante Culpepper's first season as a starter it's his second year now a phenomenal drafted, season had a phenomenal oh, season. oh my god oh my god and you know Dante was something that the league hadn't really seen because you hadn't really seen a quarterback that big with that kind of an arm and you know also that mobile it just he was he was just a monster and so um they're running through the league. And again, you're talking about a quarterback with a cannon and a wide receiver who's running a four two something. By the way, you notice, uh, Ian and listeners, that whenever Randall Moss played with an elite quarterback, Randall Cunningham in 98, Culpepper afterwards, he lit up the league. Lit him right. up. An elite quarterback with a cannon of an arm. Lit him up. Because the thing about it is, for the most part, you couldn't overthrow Randy Moss. You couldn't overthrow him. You, if you tried to, he still caught that bitch. He'd catch up to it. Oh, oh yeah. my God. I, I've seen, like, legitimately maybe two overthrows. Two. Uh, one, of the, one of them was in the Super Bowl. <laughs> well, he was wide open. Right. We'll talk, so, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Go ahead. You know, but hey, so, but that year, everything changed that year. Dante Culpepper injured uh, his ankle. He sprained an ankle against Green Bay. Uh, it was a game we were supposed to win. The Vikings, if they win that game, they get home field advantage in the playoffs. And I didn't believe that the Vikings would not go to the Super Bowl if they had home field again. There was no way I thought that. It's because most of the players from that team were on the 98 team. Right. So Yeah, you still, I, had, Robert, you no still way, had Robert Smith. You still had Robert no Smith. no way yeah, yeah, yeah. that this team is going to lose in Minnesota if they get home field. And they lose this game against Green Bay, and it tilts the 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 – the home field towards the Giants. The Giants do what they're supposed to do. They went out. They get home field instead. Um, the Vikings, but still, yeah, the Vikings were a better team than the Giants. Well, and I don't know what been, the and, fuck and, and, happened that day at the well, Meadowlands. Man, the Vikings. So I'm gonna tell you what happened. One, once Culpepper got hurt with the ankle, never healed. Right. And so when he got hurt, um. 
he wasn't as mobile. So he wasn't the threat to do some of the things that he was doing, you know, kind of running around in the pocket. He was just a, he was just a pocket. He was just a pocket pass. He's just a pocket guy. And yeah. so now it's incumbent upon the team. They've got to play crisp because his mobility allowed the team, especially a player like Moss to kind of improvise a little bit. Right. right. And, you know, you let Randy Moss kind of go out there and he's, calling his own sort of kind of audibles, you know, on a particular play up, oh, he, he runs a different route because he's covered and Dante scrambling. Oh shit. <laughs> Touchdown. Because now you got this monster running this four, two, who's now running a slant across the goddamn mm-hmm. field and all the, the defensive players are stationary and they're like, Oh shit, we got to recover. And they can't. So when he got hurt, and never really recovered from the injury and this limited his mobility. But what also happened was the Vikings had a shit week of practice leading up to that uh, Giants game because the Vikings spent more time talking about how bad of a quarterback Kerry Collins was than actually being prepared to play against Kerry Collins. And They showed the Giants, him no respect. They showed oh, him no, absolutely zero, no respect. Zero respect. But what happened was the Giants came out the, again, the Vikings always had that bend but don't break defense. The defense was trash. The number one corner for the defense that year was a motherfucker named Waswa Saranga. I don't even know where the fuck Dennis Green found this guy. So, And then the other corner was a guy named Robert Tate, who was a converted wide receiver. And he was trash. Yeah, he like, was dog. Tra- like, dog, what the fuck you doing? But that was, was what Dennis Green did. And Dennis Green couldn't draft defensive players to save his life so we have this defense that's been but don't break again that is used to playing with a lead well the vikings get hit in the fucking mouth because the giants score go up seven to nothing and then on the kickoff they do the onside yep vikings ain't ready for it they recover they score a touchdown on the next play i want to say 14 nothing quickly and, uh, and he got oh, uh, Dennis shit. Green got completely out coached that day. Yeah. Oh, and so right there, it, it was just a jailbreak, and the game was over before it started. And Randy Moss kind of result, you know, resorted to some of his immature antics. Yeah, yeah. Some of the shit that really plagued Moss a lot of his career, and ultimately led to him being traded out of Minnesota. Okay. Uh, now let's get to that. Fast forward to why was Randy Moss traded to Oakland? Um, so, go ahead. Explain right, why, so, why, why that happened. All right. So there's a, there's, there's a lot of things that are happening behind the scenes. So Red McCombs, who's the owner of the Vikings, has made no bones that he wants a new stadium because the way the Metrodome was set up in terms of the contract and da 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 da, da the Vikings didn't own the Metrodome. So... The Vikings, in terms yeah, of because the, because the Twins and the Vikings both played in Metrodome. They both at the played, same time. but the, yeah. the Metrodome was owned. It was a, it was a public entity, right? Right. So the Vikings made money based on ticket and concession sales and all this other type of stuff that would happen there. Well, the Vikings didn't get all that money. They got a portion, but they wanted a bigger slice of the pie, and it was causing them to have revenue issues. And so Red McCombs, being a used car salesman from Texas, he's from San Antonio, Red McCombs was trying to 
more or less force the state of Minnesota and the city of Minneapolis into building him a new stadium. And because Red McCombs was an asshole, they weren't fucking with Red. And they would, you know, say, hey, the Metrodome was fine. Jesse Ventura was the governor at the time. So, right. you know, right. Minnesota's elected a fucking pro wrestler to be a governor. Everybody knows how that kind of turned out that paid attention to it. But and he's um, also a conspiracy nut. I don't know what the yeah, fuck. Yeah, yeah, he's all that. But fuck Jesse Ventura. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I, I like Jesse as an actor and a little bit as a wrestler. But yeah. <laughs> um, the thing about it was you're at a point now where the Vikings are talking about in some circles about relocating. Now, the Vikings could actually relocate because of the lease. The lease was ironclad up until like 2013. Ironclad. There's nothing that they could do to leave. Um, and then the city of Minnesota or the state of Minnesota was also not tripping because they had a letter from Pete Rozelle that had been written some years ago that basically said if the Vikings were to ever leave the state of Minnesota, Minnesota would uh, almost immediately get another NFL team. So everybody's kind of posturing as it relates to what's going to happen with the stadium, but people didn't want to rebuild the, uh, they didn't want to build a new stadium. And there were a lot of different proposals at the time, this place, that place. We're not going to get into none of that shit. But Red McCombs not getting his way and not having a way to get out of uh, the lease to take the Vikings to Texas, um, where he could have had a way more favorable uh, deal with the Alamo Dome, he says, fuck you, and he traded Randy Moss. Now, the media will tell you that, oh, Randy Moss's antics ran dry with the team, and at the time, Mike Tice was the coach, and Randy Moss didn't give him a vote of confidence, and the infamous moon game where Randy Moss right, right, uh, right. scored you know, a couple of touchdowns. That, the Viking fans call it the Afro game because – the Vikings, when the team, the receivers were led by Moss, all of the, the players that had, you know, you know, cornrows and all that type shit. They took it out. They took when it out. The, when, when it was an yeah. Afros game, and Afros was, a, uh, was an acronym for America's Finest Receivers on Sunday. I don't know. A lot of people know that. So when it was an Afros game, everybody took out the braids, and it was that wild shit. And so him, Nate Burleson did it. Mo Williams did everybody that had the break. It was Afros. So the Vikings beat the Packers ass in that wild card game. The Vikings weren't supposed to win that game. They cooked them motherfuckers. Yep. And yep. so, um, you know, you have the moon thing and, you know, Randy Moss, you know, is asked about the moon thing and, and, and Joe Buck and, you know, acting all disgust and all this type of stuff. Never mind that there's a tradition in Green Bay that the fans moon and they, when I mean yep. moon, they show bare ass yep. to the visiting team's bus as they pull out. So th what Randy Moss did, it was a little bit of get back to the green yeah, fans. Yeah, but don't yeah. nobody want to talk about that shit. So anyway, the media wanted to spin it. That's the the, but the moon. Fed up the, the moon. It was just his underwear. It wasn't like he was it wasn't even. That he didn't take anything down. Oh no, you're right. You're right. It was a. It, it was just, a. Gesture. It was a perception that he Yeah, did. yeah. It was a. It was a perception. Yeah, but but again, and then he, you know, wiping his ass on the goddamn, yeah. uh, uh, on the goddamn field goal post. But the whole thing was, 
the media wanted to spin it that Randy Moss was just this loose cannon that can't be controlled. And you know what? And, and I'm sure that there was a little bit of that to some extent because Randy Moss knew that he was this all world talent and he was just going to do things his way. And so, you know, whether the Vikings were internally fed up with him or not, there's no way that the Vikings wanted to trade Randy Moss, but that was a Red McCombs thing. I stand on that to this day. And Red McCombs traded the Vikings as a big fuck you. Um, and Red McCombs, you know, sold the team shortly thereafter. So people will say that okay. Red McCombs traded Randy Moss for the new ownership. I don't believe that shit. Because why would a team sell off one of its highest assets, thus dropping down the value of the team so they can buy it cheaper? Exactly. That doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. So, doesn't make any sense. No, so nonetheless, Moss goes to Oakland. Moss's first game in Oakland is against the Patriots. It's on Thursday night football um, because the Patriots, I believe, won the Super Bowl that year. Yeah. And so, you know, here they are. And Moss catches a bomb. I don't remember who the fuck the quarterback was as far as I was concerned. It was you. And um, <laughs> just look. Just, just look. Just keeping it real. Moss catches this bomb. But, again, he's in Oakland and it's purgatory. And, you know, it is what it is. Um, and, you know, but Moss is do still you think, heaven. Do you think, because he basically was incognito those seasons in Oakland. Do you think that the passion for the game had left him or that he was just so disgusted because, like you said, he was in football purgatory? No, you know what it is. And I think Moss would tell you this to this day. Because the Randy Moss that's on TV now is a mature motherfucker. I love, I, the, I love the Randy Moss I, I see on TV today. Love him. I wish that that Moss played pro football. Because... The Moss that played pro football. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Do you think that it had hold a lot on, to do with him being on. with Tom Brady and them? Because nah, he nah, wasn't nah, like nah, that nah, in New England, nah, don't you nah, think? No, no, no. Okay. And I'm going to tell All you right. why in a second. Okay. All right. Randy Moss played the game based on his talent. Randy Moss, the game of football came easy to Moss. See, I, too easy. Too see, easy. You're talking to somebody who is a Vikings fan. Jones is for the Vikings. And so when you're talking about training camp, right. I'm that dude watching videos of training camp where Randy Moss is going to be out there in a tatted T-shirt, long-ass T-shirt underneath his Viking jersey, and they're running different right? plays, and Randy Moss is jumping up, catching balls without looking at them. People are, you know, they ooh and ah about Pat Mahomes throwing these no-look passes. Randy Moss is catching the ball without looking at this motherfucker, looking down the field about, who am I about to juke? And he's just putting a hand up behind him, bringing this ball in. No juggling, no nothing. Hits the hand, boom, he's looking to take off. This game came easy to him. So because the game came easy to him and Randy Moss was immature as fuck, at least in my opinion, in his early years in the league, if not for most of his years in the league, you're talking about somebody that didn't work to get better. If Randy Moss had the work ethic of Jerry Rice, we wouldn't know who the fuck Jerry Rice was outside of somebody that was alive in the 80s. And let me be frank, because Jerry Rice is the greatest receiver to ever play the game. And I love Randy Moss. Randy Moss is two. Jerry Rice is the greatest. Those are my, those are my, those are my top two. And yeah. everybody else is fighting for third. 
But but the reason that Jerry Rice is the best receiver to play the game is he wasn't as physically gifted as Moss. Jerry Rice worked. Jerry Rice wasn't satisfied. I feel like Moss was. And because the game came easy to Moss because he had all of these physical attributes that you look for in the ideal wide receiver, Moss knew it, the teams knew it, but Moss never was like, you know what, what can I do to get even better? There were things that he learned from different players, like Chris Carter taught him uh, in the, the first year in Minnesota to use the jumbotron to your advantage. Because what would happen in Minnesota is the jumbotron at the Metrodome, and they still do it at the at U.S. Bank, the game, they zero in on the quarterback. And so if a receiver is running a route, and he looks up at the jumbotron. He knows when the quarterback is throwing the ball. Oh, so fucking Chris look. Carter! Yeah, wow. so he doesn't need to look back right. to see. Okay, what's going on with the quarterback? No, I'm going to run by looking at the jumbotron. And, and he sees which way the quarterback. I know. Okay. I know if I got this motherfucker beat, and I also know if I'm the intermediate route or I'm the go route. And so you can tell how the quarterback is throwing, and now. Oh, this motherfucker chucked it. Let me look for the ball. Oh, there you go. The rest is history. Chris Carter taught him that shit. So, but there are things that Moss learned is like cheat codes in the game. But in terms of actually like just working hard and this and that and the other, I don't think Moss did that. And so, you know, but mm-hmm. again, Oakland, he he's just kind of there. And, you know, he's Randy Moss, but he's not having Randy Moss-like seasons as people are used to in Minnesota. One, you know... No, with with his talent, they were mediocre at best. Yeah, because the thing about it was, um, there wasn't the league caught up to Randy Moss, but they figured out Randy Moss is one guy. Plus, if we get to the quarterback in Oakland, they can't do shit. You know, we can be in the fucking... uh, We can play you know, eight in a box where they're not going to run the goddamn ball worth shit. Or we can say, you know what? They can't run. We're going to get in the fucking dime all goddamn day. And, a, ta- and a talent day. and a talent like Randy Moss needs an elite quarterback. Yeah. And so we fast forward to 2007, another magical year that Randy Moss had. Talk about his magical season, his resurgence as so, the best wide receiver in the game. 2007, having the greatest season ever for a wide receiver, period. End of story. So, so here we go. And, and there's there are a lot of markers for me with this, this season because Moss gets traded to New England for a fourth-round pick. Highway and, robbery. Highway fucking robbery. And it was like, are you fucking serious? And he goes to fucking Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, and it's like, oh, shit. And that was a draft day trade. Although it had been talked about before, but it goes down on draft day. So, holy shit. And I don't know what the Raiders are thinking. Maybe they're trying to cut bait, whatever the fuck. Okay, fine. And I'm sure Moss isn't happy up there either. So, he gets there. Now, this is the first year of me in a long-time fantasy league that I've been a part of. And big money league, all kind of stuff. And so, I mean, you know what? I'm going to give a shout-out to the BFFL uh, with my boy Vince. My boy Deshaun, uh, my boy Chuck, uh, this fool named He Hate Me. And yes, we hate him. Uh, <laughs> my boy Q, who uh, 
Kuku just came back to the league after hiatus. Uh, there's some others um, that I I could name. Um, did you but, did you draft Moss in that in that fantasy league? No. So oh. in this league, so this this is the year that Adrian Peterson comes out. Okay. And so you know, in in fantasy, I have my you know philosophy. And by the way, yeah. in, a, in a few months, we will revisit Ian on the show. Talking about Adrian Peterson. <laughs> right. So, uh, who? Because, like when you said the uh, the two greatest rookie seasons you've seen were Lawrence Taylor and Moss. I can't speak for Lawrence Taylor's rookie season, but you two- could definitely say Peterson's up there. Yes. Oh, that was, those are yeah. the two that greatest yeah. rookie seasons I've ever seen of anybody. Yeah. Yes. So, um, okay. So that year, Moss. Okay, in this fantasy league. At that time, the league wasn't a PPR, which for those that don't follow this shit, uh, points per reception. So you don't get a point for every catch. So because of that, um, I drafted a different way. And Moss was on my radar, but I was more interested in running backs. And so, you know, for me, Moss wasn't on my radar. But in this league, um, a lot of guys like to take, we call it a, a, a double dip. They like to get a quarterback and a receiver from the same team. So when there's a touchdown pass, you know, I guess to that player, you they double get dip, point. right? You double dip. Right. So Chuck had Brady and Rob, Moss. He gets Brady, and then he drafts Moss. Oh, he did he win the league that year? Of course, he won the league. <laughs> Fifty was Brady got fifty touchdowns that year. Moss got twenty. Yeah, no, he, I mean he took the league. In fact, he lost one game. And the the matchup he lost, he lost to me week one. That's the only time Rob lost that year. So we're following, you know, I'm following football and I'm following Moss because, you know, like you're saying, this is shaping up to be the greatest season that any team has ever had because they've surpassed the Dolphins. The Dolphins are 14 on this team goes 16 and 0. And, 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 and they almost lost that 16 game, but who pulls it out? Brady to Moss with Brady that Moss. bomb. Brady to yeah. I mean, he cooked. He cooked the Giants on that. Dude, so you're talking about just like Randy Moss is having this resurgence where it's almost like, I guess football was fun to him or he was in a winning culture, whatever the I, place I, was. I think, it, I, I think it has a lot to do with both because it, yeah. anybody who's ever played with Brady, and Brady gets a lot of shit for being arrogant, and yes, he is. But everybody who's ever played with Brady, especially receivers, they love that motherfucker. They love him. So, I mean, man, Moss is doing everybody all kind of ways. And, again, watching Moss on TV, but watch him in his fantasy league because we're all trying to catch fucking Chuck. And this motherfucker just, we can't, he can't get got because he's got Brady and Moss and it's just... It's magic that year. And so, um, you know, I was disappointed that the Patriots didn't win that Super Bowl. I was, my homeboy Deshaun is a massive, you know, Giants fan. Shout out to my boy Deshaun, uh, 06. With the most incredible catch in football history. I don't know how that motherfucker held on to that ball. No, no one and does. why look, didn't Rodney Harrison try to knock the ball off his head? He's look, right there. I don't, look. What the fuck? Those are those and kind then, of things. Oh, They're just divine. Was it, 
It was just divine. I don't think, look, I don't think you talk about your team for the Patriots could have hit that football and it would come out. It wasn't coming out on that play because it was destined. When the Patriots got the ball, Randy Moss is wide open. And remember you said that Randy Moss might have been overthrown twice in his career? Yeah. Brady overthrew a wide open Moss. That would have been the game. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, and the thing, and Randy Moss has scored the go ahead, uh, go ahead touchdown before that. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. I mean, God damn. So disappointed. Randy Moss, in my 46 years of watching NFL, the two, and a matter of fact, fuck that. Go back to the history of the NFL period. Super Bowl. The two greatest teams that did not win the Super Bowl, Randy Moss was arguably the star of both teams. Both uh, you can give it to Brady. Both of uh, uh, Brady was the MVP that year, but Moss should have been the co-MVP. And in 98 with the Vikings and 2007 Dolphins, Randy Moss had two of the greatest, if not greatest, Years ever for a wide receiver, a combined thirty-one and one in the regular season, and neither team wins the Super Bowl. Unfucking real. Unfucking real. So, but see, for me, the story's not over because Randy Moss is doing what he's doing, you know, with the Patriots, and he's there a couple more seasons. In 2000 and 2010, Randy Moss, I'll never forget this. I was at a bowling alley, mm-hmm. and Randy Moss is on the Patriots. Where Where is this bowling alley? It's in Torrance, uh, called the Gable House. So, okay. uh, Torrance, California, anybody wants to know. Gable House is actually pretty cool. He How far from L.A. Pre- is, Tor- is Torrance, California? Man, all the, L.A. is one big-ass city surrounded by a bunch of other cities. So when people say LA it's So when you really, talk about Inglewood, Compton, all that Torrance, shit is, all, all that, that, that shit is LA. Okay, okay right. cities that have their own name for different reasons, they'll they'll try to live off their name. Compton lives off its name because of all of the prowess it gets in hip hop. Inglewood too Inglewood because of the Lakers, right? Nah, Inglewood is Inglewood was never really on the map because of the Lakers. Okay. Um, people know that that's where the Forum was, and that's where right. SoFi Stadium is. SoFi Stadium is right next right. to the Forum. Like, okay. goddamn, literally. It's owned by the same people. But um, actually, that's not true. Uh, it it was going to be, but no, 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 no. That actually went a different way. I don't yeah. we ain't get into that. Fuck Inglewood. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't mean that because I don't like the city, but it, I'm getting off topic. So, um, but L.A., is really L.A. County. Okay. okay. So when people, like, talk about L.A., I'm not going to tell you that I'm from... Uh, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me. I'm from Paramount. Nobody knows what the fuck Paramount is. If you're from so you L.A. So you say you're from Los Angeles. If yeah. you're from L.A., you know what Paramount is. You don't know... Any of your listeners that don't have family in Paramount, right, or if I right. have a personal experience from Paramount, don't know what the fuck this is. Mm-hmm. So, but again, it's a city that is within LA County and it's maybe 10 miles okay. to the east of the 
of of the city of Los Angeles border. But again, okay. there's so many of these different little pockets and cities surrounding that. Really, it's just L.A. So well, this is all to say that yeah. Torrance considers themselves Los Angeles. All right, go yeah, ahead. People, people yeah. consider Torrance to be L.A. Now, the people that right. live in Torrance would say otherwise, but right. nobody that's from, I mean, nobody that's not from Torrance. It's just, again, for your out-of-towners, as far as we're concerned, it's L.A. L.A., so, okay. All right. um, so anyway, we're sitting at this bowling alley, and the Patriots are playing the Jets. And Randy Moss beats Darrell Rivas and makes the greatest catch I think I've ever seen a wide receiver make for a touchdown. Now, is this the same game? Wait a minute, it's 2010. No, because in 2008, Brady breaks his, uh, uh, tears his Achilles first game of the season. No, 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 no. No, 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 but but I just want to backtrack. And in that, that season, the Jets were playing the Patriots on a Thursday night game, and it was a heated rivalry. You know, uh, and the Patriots have to score a two-point conversion to take the game to overtime. And Randy Moss makes one of the greatest catches in the history of the NFL. I don't know if you remember that game. He made a one-handed catch at the back of the end zone and was able to keep both feet in bounds. I don't know. So this is along those lines, yeah, but yeah. this catch, dude, again against the Jets. Now that is that the game where Revis claimed he tore uh, that he tore his hamstring while he I was trying to keep up with Moss. Yeah. And I fucking Darrell Revis. But look here, you you probably couldn't cover Randy Moss any better for Randy Moss because Randy Moss was always gonna. Have well, I'd be honest with you, Revis is the second greatest corner I've ever seen after uh after uh, uh Dion. The Revis they call the Revis Island for, I remember, for a reason. I remember, yeah. Hey, look, I remember Revis Island, but. Moss extends his arm as far as it could possibly go, and the ball just lays in his hand like it's a goddamn loaf of bread. Well, that's how Brady throws it. Yeah, and so <laughs> and he gets both feet inbounds, and I remember my cousin just sitting there, and he's not the biggest football fan. He'll claim he is, but he ain't. Uh, just the look on his face and his just jaw dropped, and it just, just, just looked like, oh, my God, like I'm offended. That that just happened. That that was the kind of catch that was made. And just again, that's a microcosm of Moss, where just a single moment, a single play, just captivates people just to look at like, God damn, this dude is something else. And again, goes back. If he just worked just a little bit harder, just a little bit, Randy Moss not only would have been the greatest receiver to ever play the game, I have no doubt in my mind that he would have won multiple rings, including at least one with the Vikings. But that didn't happen, and, and so be it. So, but fast-forwarding, I, I bring this game up, and I bring up that year because... He goes back to Minnesota that year. Shortly thereafter, Randy Moss is is on his way back to Minnesota. So... For me, now again, this 2010. I'm 34. This is also the, this is also the season after they after they the had lost after, after the they season. lost to the Saints, oh. right? Right. So there's a lot of things that's happening that year um, with the Vikings. A lot of things. Um, Sidney Rice, who was our number one receiver, it wasn't Percy Harvin, but it was Sidney Rice who was our number one receiver. He is injured 
and he decides to have this surgery. Is uh, uh, is is also is that also the season in which the Metro Dome's uh, roof collapsed? No, it wasn't that season. Okay, uh, it was like a season or two after. Okay, so, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but and it, it, uh, it could have been. You know what? Let me think about it. It might have been because I remember it, they, it, might, they, it might just look. Remember they played a Tuesday night game after that in yeah, Chicago against the Bears, and no, Brett, Brett no, Favre took the worst beating of his career. They played. It wasn't the Bears. They played a, a Tuesday night game in Detroit against Philly. Oh, and that was the game and we, we beat got Philly back. and it fucked yeah, up yeah, Philly yeah, with yeah, the playoffs. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, yes. Um. Yes. But again, so. I was in Chili's, ironically, in Torrance. Uh, and I'm sitting in Chili's. And this, you know, I'm sure there was a game on or some shit because I'm sitting in the bar. And ESPN is on, and then there's a ticker that comes across. And it's that red breaking news ticker. And it said, Vikings in advanced talks to acquire wide receiver Randy Moss. Dude, I got up and I went outside and I started crying. Not like I'm in the grass crying hysterically, but I went outside and started crying because for Viking fans, there are certain players that those are our guys. Right. We draft them. We grow them. And no matter what happens, we don't want to see them go anywhere. I don't, I'll never understand. Because there's a, there's a contingent of Viking fans that are out there that, one, they're impatient as fuck. And I understand that because we want to win a championship. Right. But they want to trade our most valuable players to get something for them while they still have value. It's almost like we have a very small window, which is like the rookie contract. And then once the rookie contract is over, they don't want to pay them. Like the salary cap is their fucking money. Never Sounds like, never, sounds like the New Orleans Pel Pelicans. <laughs> well, so, no, you know, but Viking fans, I feel like Viking fans end up speaking this shit into existence. Because they do this with so many of our, our talented players. Like, I'm, I'm low-key concerned that they're going to start that shit with Justin Jefferson uh, mm. after this season. But we're not talking about, about him and who's amazing. Um, so, again, Moss is one of those guys for me where I never wanted to see my guy traded. This is, this is, the, this is akin to the Lakers trading Magic or trading Kobe. A, a diehard Laker fan doesn't want to see that. But let's say it happens, and now your team's going to get them back. They're going to right the wrong. They're going to close the circle. This what happened? right here for what, me, why, dude. Why, why, didn't, why he only lasted a few games before he was, they got rid of him? So <laughs> there, there are a few different reasons. So one, it goes back to Randy Moss kind of being a knucklehead, being just a – an immature dude, maybe a little bit being a diva. Um, Randy Moss was an asshole uh, to certain people. 
Randy Moss spoke his mind, and Randy Moss was very unapologetically himself, which in some circles is fine. In other circles, no, it's, it's a bad look. Um, you combine that with leadership on a team that he doesn't respect, it's, it's a fucking wrap. See, the one thing that I think kept Randy Moss in check in New England is the fact that he had respect for Bill Belichick. And whether that's because Bill had a certain personality or Bill was a proven winner, regardless of whatever that was, he had respect there. He also loved the owner because remember when Robert Kraft's wife died, Randy Moss wasn't even on the Patriots and he got on a plane to the funeral. So there we go. Um, there, There is a reverence and there's a respect that was there. And <clears throat> where the fuck is that? In, uh, in New England that wasn't apparent in his return to Minnesota because Minnesota was coached by Brad Childress, who most Viking fans loathe. We hate this motherfucker. Mm-hmm. We don't wish death on him, but if he could get shingles, I'm good. I, we hate this motherfucker. And part of it is of how he handled this. Right. Because Moss is with the Vikings for all of four games. The Vikings trade for Moss. and Again, Randy Moss's first press conference, he talks about we got the dust off those 84 jerseys. You talk about excitement. Oh, my land. So the Vikings have played, they play four games in Moss's tenure. Um, they play a Monday night game against the Jets, which was a hell of a game. They play a game against the Cowboys, which is the only game that they played uh, with Moss that they won. Um, They play a game against Green Bay, and then they ironically play against New England. So, um, and that game's at Foxborough. So Brad Childress, who's a chump, doesn't, at least from my vantage point as a fan, doesn't handle the leadership on this team very well. And again, He's got a team that has all the pieces because this again, this is the team that, in my opinion, got cheated out of the out of the uh, 2009 slash 10 NFC Championship game against and y'all. They still, and they still have they still have Brett Farr. They still yeah, have they, they, they still got have everybody. Yeah, Percy Harvin is in his second year. Yep. Um, Adrian Peterson is there. You know, and in his prime, Sidney Rice, you know, is is on the mend and, you know, looks to be coming back. And so you have the makings at least. And the defense wasn't a punk. Jared Allen was there. Yeah. Um, Antoine Winfield was still there. So you you have the makings of a team that is ready to compete for a Super Bowl. And if you put it all together, you have an offense that's probably unbeatable. But Brad Childress fucked it off because Brad Childress showed Moss very early that he didn't have balls and he wasn't really committed to winning. He was safe and Moss didn't like that. And you could tell Moss is kind of acting out. There was an incident in the um, locker room where a, a local vendor, because the Vikings, what they do is they have local vendors come in and like cater the locker room each Sunday or each game day. And so they had a barbecue joint come in and Randy Moss talked bad about this barbecue. 
bad. Where you had other players on the team who grew up with Robert Kiyosaki, like, nah, that actually was pretty good. But Moss talked real bad about it because, but he's acting out so much. Um, and Brad Childress can't, there's no control that he's like, fuck it, I can do what I want because who's going to check me? And nobody expected the Vikings to cut, cut Randy Moss. Yep. I mean, just like, oh, it was just, it was horrible. It was horrible. And, you know, but, and then some people said they did it because they wanted to get Percy Harvin away from him because they felt like he was having a, a negative influence on Percy Harvin. And what did the Vikings end up doing? They ended up trading Percy Harvin to Seattle a little bit down the line. But the whole thing was you talk about a conclusion that was destined for greatness that ultimately was just left to be ultimately unsatisfied. It, it, it's like your restaurant your favorite restaurant of all time, bringing back your favorite dish after they took it off the menu. And then when you have it, it's the most unsatisfying you've ever had. You know what? I'm going to talk about that for 30 seconds. My LA people, Harold and Bells, Harold and Bells, uh, they never took it off the menu, but Harold and Bells changed ownership. And so Harold and Bells is a, for those that don't know, is a, Louisiana-based, Black-owned business uh, down in the heart of South L.A. And it's upscale, so this isn't just where, you know, foolishness is going to be. It might be around the neighborhood of foolishness, but foolishness itself doesn't happen there. And so people love Harold and Bell's, especially Black folks. And so we'll go to Harold and Bell's, and it's one of the few places you can get crawfish etouffee year-round. Year round, I can go get that shit off season and it's just as good as it would be when crawfish is in season. And so I went to Harold and Bell's, they had changed ownership and I got a um, a bowl of crawfish etouffee and that was kind of my go-to dish. And I hadn't had it in maybe two years. Dude, you talk about the worst dish Damn. I've ever had in my life. Like, I don't go to Harold and Bell's anymore because I'm like, how do y'all fuck this up? You think they all would the change the ownership? They changed the the the, the I don't chef? know what they I don't know what they did, but whatever they did, they thought it was for the better. People I think go to Harold and Bell's more so for, for name value than it actually the food because the it's just it's not good anymore. And I hate it because again, you're talking to somebody that grew up going to going to Harold and Bell's as a six and seven year old. You know, and I want to spend my money as a 45-year-old at Harold and Bell's. And I can't bring myself to do it because the food is 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 trash. So that's, again, that's a, a great analogy of this Viking fan as it relates to Randy Moss's return to the team. A guy that now, went outside and cried damn, and now yep. is just left like, y'all really cut this motherfucker? For now, to en- now to end the program, because Moss only played one more season. They lost in the Super Bowl with the Niners. He was with the Niners. They lost Super Bowl to the Ravens. And then he mm-hmm. retires. Mm-hmm. First ballot Hall of Famer. Went no in. Gave a beautiful Hall of Fame speech. Mm-hmm. Your five greatest Minnesota Vikings since you started watching them. And so let's take it to the ni- 1988 season. Because you didn't start watching them until the 87 playoffs. So yeah. from 1988 to today. Give me your five greatest Vikings of that era. So, 
I was thinking about this in the car last night. I wanted to do something a little bit fun with this because in addition to my five greatest Vikings, I wanted to give you, I don't know if I wanted to do five, but certainly my three top Vikings I hate. Like all right, I can't okay, stand right. these motherfuckers. Like let's do the, let, let's do the let's do the negative first. Give me the I three Vikings you hate. All right, all right. So, yeah. so, and this isn't necessarily based on them being on the field. One of them is not even a player. So, number three is Herschel Walker. You want to talk about you bringing up the goddamn trade about the Vikings and these picks? We built. Let me tell you something. Cowboys, the Saints Saints did the same thing when they traded for Ricky Jackson. I feel your pain. I mean, not Ricky no, Jackson. No, no, Ricky no, Williams. No, Ricky no, Williams. No, for no. Ricky Williams. Ricky I feel Williams, they just gave up an entire draft. They drafted Ricky. Mike Dicker drafted Ricky Williams. He put on that fucking mop, had a press conference, and they went home. Maybe they gave up another pick the next year. That was all they did. The Still, Vikings, that was that was too many picks for no, one no. motherfucker. Listen, listen. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go the ahead. Vikings traded three, three first round picks. First round picks. Three second round picks. Two third round picks. Maybe I've overstated the second and third rounds. Maybe it was two second rounds and one third round. But they gave up three. Which built the Cowboys into a, into a dynasty. The Cowboys dynasty. Yep. Emmitt Smith was one of those picks. <laughs> okay, dude. Dude. And in addition to that, we gave up some players, too. We got all that. For Herschel Walker, who was supposed to be our missing piece. And in all honesty, if the Vikings won a Super Bowl, Vikings, Viking fans wouldn't have gave a shit. Fine. We'll trade 20 first round picks for a super guaranteed Super Bowl. But they're no how many, how many years did Herschel last in Minnesota? Two? Like, two, like two. And they didn't even <laughs> use him right. They didn't even, like, it's like you trade for a guy and then. You said, okay, well, how is he successful elsewhere? Okay, cool. Yeah, we're not going to do that shit. We're going to do something else. Well, the same thing happened. Well, we didn't trade a whole bunch of people for him. I think we signed him as a free agent. But when the Saints picked up a guy you'll be talking about later, Adrian Peterson, he didn't oh. use him at all. Oh. But, but, but Adrian Peterson, when you guys got him, was – I don't want to say he was past it. He was he still decent, but he wasn't the Minnesota Vikings. No, he wasn't. Was, and the yeah, game, the yeah. game itself had, I don't want to say had evolved from Adrian Peterson, but Adrian Peterson is a throwback runner. Yes, he is. So yes. Adrian Peterson is a guy that you're going to give the ball to to run between the tackles and da 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 He's right. he's he's who Derrick Henry is now. Yes. yes. But you have to be able to throw the ball. And I feel like Derrick Henry is better uh, as a pass-catching running back than Adrian Peterson is. Adrian Peterson really wasn't a, a pass-catching running back, which is interesting because his first touchdown was actually on a pass he caught against the Falcons. But um, the, the point is, Herschel Walker is my third most hated Minnesota Viking. Not because he was a bad player, and he's acting an ass now. In his 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 oh. post 
You know, but we ain't talking about that. Him and his son. (laughs) But, but, dog, Herschel Walker, based on what he cost for this team and what he amounted to, they didn't do a goddamn thing. It set your franchise back five, six years. Easily. 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 So, number two. And he wasn't a Viking for that long. He actually has notoriety with the Packers. But this motherfucker is number two. Darren Sharper. Because Darren Sharper, and I don't understand this shit. This is a nice looking guy. Why is he Bill Cosbying bitches? Dropping roofies and all this type shit, drugging bitches, and then raping them. The thing Why? is, the thing is, all that started happening after he retired. If you look at all the allegations and everything he's been convicted on, it all happened the year I after he retired. I, look, what what happened to a, this guy? I don't what the, know. Where the, where the hey, fuck did this occur? What, 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 who, what happened? And, and he, he, I don't, I don't he, understand. I know he gets put in. Well, he don't need to take it. Why? It, it made no sense to me. So, and, and it's really bad for me because I, I'm a guy that, and I haven't bought any in a minute, but I, when I, I buy. And, and, by, and by the way, he yeah. was an integral part of my championship. And I just shake my head. I'm, I'm like, this isn't the same guy. This is the same guy that played for the Vikings, the Packers, was the best defensive player on the championship team, that the, the only championship team I say is one. Dude. Matter of fact, Dude. something else that you 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 might not not know of, he was once up for the for the. What's the name of the trophy for for doing all that? Uh, uh, man of the year, that shit. Yeah, that- he was one one time. He was up for man of the year. How do you go from being <laughs> one of the most respected players in the NFL to being a combination of Bill Cosby and R. Kelly? God damn! <laughs> and everything he was convicted of. And charge started the year after he retired. What the fuck happened? So, oh, I, I don't even know. But see, what makes it really hard for me. And he will uh, never be in the Hall of Fame, but he is a Hall of Famer. If you look, just look uh, at his. He had an incredible career. Uh, I don't know about career. that one. He's I, always a finalist, but they won't put him through. Well, I don't know about that. Like, even if he wasn't on my top three I hate you list, um, yeah, I don't know about that. But for me, I'm I'm really salty about Darren Sharper because I buy jerseys, and I bought two authentic jerseys one year. And uh, one of the jerseys, I bought a Jared Allen, and the other jersey, I was on the fence I was either going to get a Darren Sharper or Chad Greenway. And I was, was, was nervous because Chad Greenway wasn't what we really wanted him to be at the time. And he turned out to be exactly the player that I hoped he was going to be. But at the time that I was about to spend a couple hundred dollars on a jersey, I didn't want to buy a dude that was, just wasn't, was going to flame out. And so I bought this Darren Sharper. And... I can't even give this motherfucker away because I feel like somebody's going to charge me to take it. So I'm just like, I hate you, Darren Sharper. I hate you. 
So, and then my number one all time, I hate you Viking is Brad Childress. And that's a goddamn coach because Brad Childress is the reason that, in my opinion, why the Vikings don't have a ring. Because Brad Childress lost control of this team. And it's not a secret. They fired his ass in the middle of the season the same year that they released Moss. Um, Brad Childress took a team that was destined for greatness and parked them in a goddamn garbage bin. And that set this team back a few years as well. And things have since changed. And again, you don't get to where you are without this happening, but still, because the way that the Viking fans felt about 09, and, and again, Brett Favre came to the Vikings because of Brad Childress. So Brad Childress picked his ass up from the airport in a truck, mm-hmm. and the, the helicopters and shit were flying around following the truck to to the Vikings headquarters. I mean, it was just like, dude. It was all laid out there for him to win. And he fucked up against y'all in the in the in the 09 yeah. thing because we got that five yard penalty for too many men in the huddle because he was trying to be cute. And that's resulted in Brett Favre throwing that interception. Yeah. Where yeah. The Vikings, all they had to do was run the ball, and they were in field goal range. Ryan Longwell kicks a field goal. We go to Super Bowl. Let me, let me tell you something, Ian. I had turned the TV off because I knew far once he got to the, what was it, the third, the 38, 39-yard line, that they, were, that they were going to win. <sighs> I turned, and then, then three minutes later, I turned the TV back on, and I see the Saints driving. I'm like, oh, shit, what the fuck happened? <laughs> I had given up. I was like, you don't Brett Favre doesn't have the ball inside the 40 with the game on the line and not score. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> hey. I, was, I went from I went from anger to joy in three minutes. I was like, that it wasn't a great game as far as what was going on in the field, but that was you. the single most intense game I've ever seen in my life. Because the physicality of the game, and I'm not gonna lie, they were trying to kill Brett Favre. They yes. they were they were they were pounding his head into the his helmet into the goddamn ground into the goddamn Superdome ground. I mean, late hits the whole night. Saints got away with a whole lot. Yeah, they did because your coach had bounties on these motherfuckers. I was like, God damn, they were doing their best. Brett Favre is a tough son of a bitch, man. Oh. Tough son of a bitch. Oh, no doubt. And see, what really, for me, that game, we beat the brakes off, y'all. If you look at the stats. Oh, without a doubt. You control. You control it between between the 20s. You dominated. Yeah, we just had a million turnovers. Stupid turnovers. And that last turnover was the worst one. Oh, it was horrible. Because after that interception, the Saints only went maybe 10 yards. To kick the field goal. I mean, no, they, no, 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 no. That was a no. So we, we, you guys got the ball in overtime. We never got the ball in overtime. Oh, yeah. That's, that's right. One that's one of the right. reasons why the we rule got the changed. ball. We got the ball. But uh, yeah, after the interception, right. Then, then we went to overtime. And then, um, well, we, we didn't do much. What's now? My memory's lacking a little. 
Wasn't there some type of pass interference play that led to that field goal in overtime? Not really. There were a lot of because the, the drive was kind of slow and methodical. There was yeah. actually interception that Drew Brees threw that the Vikings caught, and then for some reason, one of the Vikings knocks it out of the other Vikings' hand. Yes, yes, that's what it. I remember. Yes, I like, what yes. the fuck? Yes, yes, you know. Yes. But nonetheless, I mean, it, it is what it is. But again. The reason that we don't win that game is because of Brad Childress. Forget all the turnovers and all that. Brad Childress yeah. wasn't on the field. He didn't fumble the ball and throw picks. But his play calling was horrendous. His play calling sucked. And then the way he managed the clock, the way he managed the offense, because he was also the offensive coordinator. The way that he did all of that at the end of the game is the reason why we didn't win the game. Now let's, let's go. go. Let's go yeah. to a positive note. Let's go to the top five. Yeah, because your a lot five greatest Vikings since 1988. All right. So my top, uh, my top five. Vikings. Let's start with number five. Start with number, number five. Number five is Chris Dolman. Number 56. I who, love Chris Dolman. Uh, unfortunately, Upbeat. passed away from a, um, you know, from uh, from brain cancer. Way but, too young. Way uh, too young. But fought that valiantly. That's. One of the first jerseys that I bought that's actually the jersey I wore to my very first Vikings game in Minnesota. They actually wow. retiring that his number that day. And I had it and I was like, Oh, I'm rocking this. And so uh Chris Doman definitely he was uh you know basically the anchor of the second evolution of the purple people eaters. So um definitely, definitely Chris Doman. You know how deep of a of of a of a top five he has if Doman's number five. Doman would be number one on most teams. All right, go ahead. Yeah. All right. So number four is the reason I became a Vikings fan. Um, number four is Anthony Carter, original number eighty-one. Let me tell you um, something. Anthony Carter in college was incredible. Incredible so, college player. So and and um, me, um yeah. Anthony did Anthony and Chris Carter play? I remember that they used to call them the Carter Boys. Yeah, they were there together at, at for 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 a short term. For a short period of time. Yeah, yeah, because Chris Chris came, um, Chris came at uh, you know he was he had a lot of uh, drug and alcohol problems, and he, this yes. is well documented. He talks about it. Well, he talks about it all the time. Yeah. yeah, and in his Hall of Fame speech, he talked about it. When he found out he was inducted into the Hall of Fame, um, I watched that live, and he talked about it then. And getting traded to Minnesota, actually he wasn't traded to Minnesota, he was waived, and Minnesota claimed him for $100. Yeah. Yep. And um, the Vikings uh, called um, the, uh, but they called Buddy Ryan. And they said, hey, tell us about Chris Carter. And Buddy Ryan didn't want to say anything disparaging. And so that's when the phrase is, all he does is catch touchdowns. That's where that came from. So, um, but Anthony Carter is the reason that I started watching and becoming a Vikings fan. Because Anthony Carter wasn't the biggest guy on the field. But he was a a, a smaller guy who worked hard. And he was somebody that, because when I was young, I was short. And I didn't start growing until I got to high school. And so um, he was a guy, he embodied me, you know, just be the be the little guy, but be the feisty little guy. 
And even if your feistiness isn't good enough to overcome your limitations, and for me, it wasn't because I wasn't a supreme athlete, even as a short as a shorty. Um, it it just he he embodied who I kind of wanted to be, even as a kid. So Anthony Carter is definitely number four. And if these other people hadn't been Minnesota Vikings, he'd be number one. Okay. So number three, and we just talked about him as Chris Carter. Uh, Chris Carter, up until Randy Moss, was the greatest wide receiver I'd ever seen play, certainly in Minnesota, and arguably ever. Um, I I can let me let me chime in one one second about Chris Carter. Probably the two, the three most consistent wide receivers I've ever seen in my lifetime. Three. I'm not counting Randy Moss because that that sabbatical in Oakland he mailed it in. Chris Carter, Jerry Rice, and Tim Brown. Year after year after year, they put up numbers and they did their job. Go ahead, continue with Chris. No doubt, no doubt. So just with Chris. And it's not just about who he is on the field. I know that some people will think that Chris Carter's a jerk off the field. There's a lot of stories and whatnot, and I'm not going to discount them. People have their interactions, their opinions and whatnot. But for me, Chris Carter is the ultimate redemption story. And when you see Chris Carter's story, if you know his story, and I'm going to get into it, um, although I did talk about the alcohol and drugs yeah. piece of uh-huh. it, you you look at yourself and you look at the struggles that you have, and it's like you know what if he can come through. And I I didn't struggle with with I struggled with alcohol a little bit, but not with drugs. But if you can overcome, I mean, if he can overcome the stuff that he happened had in his life, you can do it too. And this is on top of being a Hall of Fame wide receiver who caught damn near everything mm-hmm. thrown his way. I have not seen hands on a wide receiver other than him. And I've seen footage of him at, at, at Ohio State. I didn't see him play live there, but I've seen footage, and it's like, God damn. So all the stuff I've seen him do is not a surprise, but you're talking about just ultimate body control mm-hmm. and being able to understand where his feet are on the field but to position himself to catch a ball, but the softest hands mm-hmm. with that ball, just no matter how hard it's on, it just lays in there and he just snags that shit. Look here. Chris Carter had number 84 not shown up. The greatest wide receiver the Vikings would have ever had. Um, Justin Jefferson will give him a run for his money if Justin Jefferson stays on his current trajectory. But Chris Carter is definitely number two. Uh, in terms of wide receivers, but he's number three on my list. Number two is all day. Adrian Peterson. AD, baby. I I don't even have the words to describe. Don't go too much into detail. I won't. I won't. Because I we will be doing, you and I will be coming my, back to do yeah, a show on Adrian Peterson. Yeah. you one of my yeah. top five, but look here. Yeah. I have never seen a player not shy away from contact, but also be fast and elusive to where he's making you just look like, 
<laughs> you shouldn't be there. There's a play that it was the it was the 09 season. It was the first game of the 09 season. We played at Cleveland. And this is just a microcosm of his entire career. I'm not gonna go deep here, but this weekend we'll save it. Save you. Adrian Peterson gets a handoff from Brett Favre and he makes a cut to the left and breaks through to the second level. Adrian Peterson runs, he stops. There's a defender. I don't know if it's a linebacker or a safety coming. Adrian Peterson throws this dude out of the way. Not like that Derrick Henry uh, stiff arm shove. Adrian Peterson came to a complete stop, threw this dude out of the way, threw him out of bounds. Another guy comes, Adrian Peterson starts running. He puts an arm back and he stiffs arm this dude. Like this dude came to a complete stop and he accelerates and runs down the field for like a 65-yard touchdown. I never seen no shit like that in my life. And when you're talking about a running back, Adrian Peterson changed the way that the modern NFL looks at his running backs because these dominant running backs in college these are the reasons why they get picked high. I know that the NFL isn't really using running backs. It's all running back by committee. Mm-hmm. But the mm-hmm. Derek Henrys of the world, the Leonard Fournettes of the world, the Ezekiel Elliotts of the world, Saquon, the Barkley. Saquon Barkley's of the world, mm-hmm. these dominant elite running backs in college are getting top five money because of what Adrian Peterson was. And people and it's, a, it's criminal that the all NFL 100 team did not include him amongst the greatest running backs of all time. I don't know fuck who's voting on that shit. Well, but, you know, uh, but see, you know, these voters, they get real, <laughs> real funny. And his past, that that shit haunts him. And we'll talk about that another time. Okay. But that's uh. why he's not getting the love. So, and number one. We talked and, about it this entire episode. Whole episode. <laughs> and, 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 it, and, it, and, it, and it wasn't a shock, and it wasn't a setup, because Again, Randy Moss being my top my top Viking player of all time, it wasn't like, okay, we're going to do a top five and make sure Moss is number one. No, 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 no. Moss is number one because Moss, unlike any of these other players, maybe Peterson to a little a small extent that I'll talk mm-hmm. about another time, but Moss is the one player on the Vikings that has captured my imagination, who has had me at very high moments that has brought up my emotions. Again, I cried when the Vikings reacquired Moss. I ran around my apartment when we drafted Moss. I have a great sense in this Vikings team. I became a season ticket holder, not because of Randy Moss, but because of the pride in this team that Randy Moss helped continue to build in me. If the Vikings don't draft Randy Moss and just are kind of a middling kind of team that kind of sort of gets close here and there, but not really, I don't know that. I become a Viking season ticket holder. I don't know Mm. that I Mm. travel to Minnesota as often as I do. 
Um, now, I go now, to now, now explain, explain to the listeners. You're a Minnesota Vikings season ticket holder, and you live nowhere near Minnesota. I live in Los Angeles. <laughs> I now I've since have found out that there are other out of state season ticket holders. One of which actually lives in San Diego. His name is Jeremy. Cool dude. Okay. But okay. Um, we're few and far between. Most of the people that are season ticket holders live there. They go there, and I've met a, quite a few of them. But again. I live in Los Angeles, California. So for me to make the investment, and the shit ain't cheap. Because again, I have four Oh, well, because you got two. you got we talking hotel rooms, plane flight. All that shit. Yeah. No, it's not cheap. So for me to do what I do, and I went to two games last year. I went to the Steelers game and then I went to the finale against the Bears. So with two different groups of people. So you're talking about just a, a, a love for a team that doesn't happen without Randy Moss. It doesn't. The only thing that I, and it's not a regret, but I wish that I had been able to see Randy Moss play a game in Minnesota. I've seen right. Randy Moss on the Vikings outside of Minnesota, but I've never seen Randy Moss in Minnesota, and yeah, that's the one thing I wish that I had been able to see. But in his again, prime, those years between 1998 oh and 2003. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. So, But again, this Randy Moss just is all of these things for me, and again, having the personal connection and, and my cousin being his guy, and you know, when I get with my cousin, which is not often, but when I get with my cousin that I talked about very early on, we, you know, we talk about Moss a little bit. They've remained friends. Um, I'm glad that it never really came up, but there's, you know, some things in the past that, um, you know, involved my cousin with Moss. But um, I'm just, he's that player. He's that guy. And, you know, um, Look here, just I owe not all of my fandom, but certainly the level of my fandom now, I owe it to Moss for, again, capturing me with that magic that was him being on the Minnesota Vikings and certainly to a lesser extent the other teams that he played for. And, um, you know, I am grateful to have watched him play in his prime, I'm grateful for him being on my team, and I'm grateful to where he has been able to help me elevate as a fan, um, where I can actually now invest in the team monetarily, make a little bit of money. Uh, it's not really about that part, um, but just enjoy this team and one day hope that this team takes the field in the Super Bowl that I'll get to see and they win the damn thing, and both him, Chris Carter, are there to help bring in that victory of whatever that Vikings team that'll uh, be on the field. So we'll see, you know, a uh, whole lot of things that are to be, you know, determined with that. Season's, you know, approaching, draft's approaching, but, you know, we'll see. But, you know, just Randy Moss is that dude for me uh, as it relates to the Vikings and certainly a wide receiver and uh, – it has been my absolute pleasure to to talk with him. I don't want to, you know what? I'm not going to go there. So um, mm -hmm. 
I just I want I want to stay focused and you know I appreciate you just always taking the time. This podcast is going long as hell, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. you know what? And you might have some editing to do unless you want to keep it. It was it was it was well worth it. It's always a pleasure talking to you, Ian. I mean, your knowledge of the Vikings and Lakers second to none. Um, this has been a very very educational episode. On the career of Randy Moss You're the only other person I could have done this with I mean you are a true diehard Minnesota Vikings fan Thank you Ian We will be back with Ian in a few months When we talk about Adrian Peterson Ladies and gentlemen Thanks again for listening When I went to Dallas, Jerry Jones put me to the side and he's like, hey man, there's gonna be a limousine here to pick you up. Deion Sanders wanna holler at you. But it really gave me a lot of confidence that I was gonna be a cowboy. With the eighth pick in the draft, the Dallas Cowboys select mm. defensive end from North Carolina, Greg Ellis. What did I see in 1998 and 99, 2000? I saw the most electrifying receiver in Minnesota I've ever seen. He's the best vertical receiver I've ever seen on the field. Oh, touchdown! Randy Moss! I think we're seeing a real coming out party here in this first game. He was a phenomenal talent, a phenomenal talent. He took over games. He took over the entire 1998 season. The boss, he makes the catch! This young man right here. There wasn't an answer. I can take any one of several Randy Moss seasons and say that's a better season than any season Jerry Rice ever had. This rookie year, Green Bay, Monday Night Football. We threw down a jump ball. It shouldn't have been thrown. You could have, as a coach, looked at the film and said you shouldn't throw that ball. Randy Moss in 1998 was faster than Randy Moss in any other season. And Randy Moss in any other season is faster than the rest of the NFL's beginning. Randall, going deep again, adjusting his loss, and then Randy Moss squeezes his way into the touchdown. It is unbelievable. He just throws it up. This is like a circus out here with these guys. Randy Moss is the best young receiver that I have seen, maybe, ever. Rookie of the year, talking about the coming out party for one of the great players of all time. When I think of Randy Moss, three words come to mind. Straight fast, homie. His speed just scared the hell out of people. The moment when you realized he really was freakish as an athlete. He never really forgave Jerry Jones for passing on him. In the 1998 draft. He's the freakiest dude I think I've ever three seen. Three catches, 163 yards, three touchdowns, video game numbers. And each touchdown was spectacular. I'm off. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, Randy. Who is this? Mr. Madden. Yeah, this is John Madden. How yeah. you doing? You know anything about this turkey leg award? You just won it. The PR guys were talking about, uh, you play the game, you get, a, you get a chicken leg. I said, chicken leg? I said, man, I don't want no chicken leg. Man, I'm ready to go home.
the things that come from from him. I wonder, wonder if he supported the mood swings, temperamental. All of <laughs> if you don't write checks, how do you pay these guys? Great cash, homie. <laughs> Just I'm a bad boy that doesn't take no mess. Randy Moss, there were times where he just turned it off. There is no denying his talent, but everything Chris Carter said is also part of his legacy. He has quit time and time again. I don't give a what they talk about. They better talk about this W that we put on Lambeau Field today. NFL Films, touchdown, put it on. His own quote, I play when I want to play. Randy Moss has, in fact, been traded. The acquisition of Randy Moss in the offseason by the Silver and Black caused shockwaves. Will you realize Randy Moss isn't capable of speeding anymore? He just lost a step, so we got that to start with. Three guys are on. One yard touchdown pass. Tom Brady threading the needle to Randy Moss. And the Patriots are blowing the doors off the New York. What do you say about Randy Moss? People have been wondering, did he have anything left? You put them together? Putting those two together? You know, Peyton Manning has his wide receivers. Why can't Tom have his? You see the coverage, but you just throw it up and look at Randy Moss go up, fight for the football. That is strictly a case I want it more than you do. Four touchdown catches from Austin. That's Randy Moss for six more. That team is one of the most hated teams in NFL history. Why do people hate the Patriots? It's Tom Brady. People love to hate people and teams that win, that are successful. One of the most successful football teams, NFL teams in history. Touchdown New England. Taking his time across the goal line. It's very hard to read how fast a guy like Randy Moss is actually running. And Brady will throw for Moss. Touchdown, Patriots. With that, where do you want to start? We got all, break, all records breaking here. With that, the Patriots break the league scoring record for a single season, surpassing the 98 Vikings. With that, Brady ties Peyton Manning for the most touchdown throws in a season at 49. Because Randy Moss can ball. To me, he's the second greatest receiver in NFL history. I think I, I, I put him and T.O. in a battle there, but I'll give him a slight edge. Congratulations, Tom. Congratulations, Randy. And maybe congratulations, New England Patriots. Oh, my goodness. 50 touchdown passes. I, I, I just, you know, it's absolutely incredible what he's been able to do. You now have Peyton Manning. You now have Dan Marino. And Tom Brady stands alone. This young man right here, there wasn't an answer. That was one of the greatest catches Randy Moss has ever made. He stays in supreme shape. He swims every day. That burst of speed, that height, that leaping ability, the hands. Every field or court he's ever stepped on to play whatever game he's wanted to play, 
He's been the best athlete. 15,292 receiving yards with 156 career touchdowns, second all time. I will take Randy Moss every single time. Moss going to go the distance. What a play. Randy Moss is I can take any one of several Randy Moss seasons and say that's a better season than any season Jerry Rice ever had. I don't really live on numbers. I really live on impact and what you're able to do out on that field. So I really do think that I'm the greatest receiver to ever play this game.